Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. Live from the BOD studio, it is Playing and Slaying, episode number 36. Now, 36 is a very important number to me. Um, last episode, I said I was going to say Warcry 36 times. Now, newsflash, I did. Uh, so in this episode, we're going to hear from Josh about how many Warcries he missed. Then we're going to get into what we've been playing, hobbying, purchasing. We're going to talk about everything that was Gen Con 2019. And also a little bit of Midwest Meltdown with our very special guest in studio, the intern, now the co-host, producer, and really the real talent in the room, Bryce. Hi, guys. Hey, Bryce. Hi, Bryce. That was a lot of titles I just earned. <laughs> <laughs> Promotion day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we are then going to do a play it or slate review of Icarus a new uh, cooperative, collaborative storytelling game from Renegade Game Studios. So first, before we get into, um, you know, the standard uh, refreshment, I do want to hear from Josh about the Warcry incident of episode 35. Nine. I I missed nine. (laughs) I missed nine dings. (laughs) I'm uh, forever sorry. (laughs) Nine. Nine. We'll take that apology into consideration. Fair enough. It just kind of shows the power of crowdsourcing, right? Once the episode went out, then all of a sudden, slowly but surely, be like, oh, you missed one. Then it was two. Then it was three. And then I, I don't know. I lost count. So I'm glad yeah. somebody I figured listened out. twice to make sure I knew. <laughs> <laughs> See, Bryce keeping people accountable. Uh, yeah, this will come up in the annual review uh, mm-hmm. when we're looking yeah. at you know contracts for 2020, Josh. Noted. All right. When you were playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. I'm looking around the table. This is going to be a relatively bland um, Mm -hmm. uh, experience for what we're drinking. Or tart. It's going to be tart. 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 Maybe a little tart for everyone, in -hmm. fact. Indeed. So who wants to talk about the beer we're drinking? We are drinking the official brew of Gen Con 2019, Sun King's Brewtron 9000, a tart golden ale. And it is, we're calling it a sour. Yeah. We're calling it more than tart. It, it's it, it's it's a definitely a sour, and it's uh, anime inspired. We're not sure why, except there's a robot on the label, uh, and it's got uh, hibis- hibiscus, citrus, and yuzu. I don't know what yuzu is. Is that like in Big Daddy yuzu with rum? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's accurate. <laughs> and this is straight from the brewery in in Epolis. That's always my. My last thing I do at Gen Con nowadays is I swing by Sunday after whatever afternoon-ish. I swing by Sun King, buy a case of something. and Is this the only beer they make? 
No, they have a. They're a pretty. They're a pretty big brewery in that area. Yeah, they but this is the Gen Con. Yeah, they always do a Gen Con special brew. Um, they have. A, I'm trying to think what they're kind of known for. I know they have. A, what's the? Uh, they have like a grapefruit IPA that I know is really good. Mm-hmm. They have. Uh, what's the uh, cream ale? I think the sunrise sun something. And they have a, a brown nut brown. Nut um, brown. Yeah, so, and actually the brewery they've been adding each year. I was like, oh, they've added more and more. Like a lot of breweries, they have a lot of in, indoor space there. Like you, know, I think they even serve some kind of food and. Farm, so you can actually. And I think they actually do stuff during Gen Con, but I don't know. We're never gonna head over there. But they're only, I don't know. They're less than a mile away from downtown. So, so Sun King, thank you. This was a good one. I mean, sometimes the Gen Con beers are kind of hit and miss. This one, at least in my wheelhouse. So. Yeah, I don't think it's a crowd pleaser. I don't think everyone yeah. likes it. But yeah, I guess sour. I mean, sours. Yeah, are definitely to taste. Right. right. It's clearly my first day in the studio too, because mine's almost gone. Good for you, buddy. <laughs> so pacing, pacing is tough. When you're, when yeah, well, we may have, we may have to do a round two of the I mean, every this, this round, every episode so. can't be a growler challenge. Yeah. So <laughs> you're just staying hydrated. I yeah. like it. All right, as so we all take a drink at the same time, so nobody talks. <laughs> Good radio. Let's uh, let's head into what we've been playing now. Uh, since we are going to be covering. Um, Gen Con, there will be certainly some playing out of sequence, but for now we'll talk about some of the general stuff we've played um, and where we're playing it. So, Troy, before we talk about everybody's favorite and and recap our RPG play, I'd like you to talk a little bit about um, some 40k, 40,000? War, war yeah, you know they can't, yeah Warhammer forty thousand people still play that the uh, I guess so the, Is that the uh, one with the little space marine guys yeah, little space marine I don't know what you guys have been doing so that's why <laughs> I found a whole new group <laughs> that plays this other space sci fi game miniature game called Warhammer forty k is that cubic shenanigans they uh, play that game yeah <laughs> no I thought no Brendan was saying that's an AOS podcast so, oh yeah so I don't know what they oh, do okay. either so okay <laughs> um. But Eric and I, our, our friend Eric, uh, Eric is actually organizing a little bit of a Escalation 40K, which is good to get us get people playing. Um, his, I think it's his nephew, um, is actually new into it. So um, he was actually over at Eric's, and Eric and I played just a, like a 500-point game. Uh, I pulled out my old uh, Gene Steeler Cult against his Chaos Marines. Uh, it, uh, it was good for us to kind of get... I hadn't played probably since Dragonfall, that I played real 40k, so I had to get kind of back into like what are all the rules and how this work. Um, but it was good; it went good for the Gene Sailor Cult. It was a lot of fun, uh, just for a quick game. And then uh, Eric's uh, nephew Michael came over, and he was. It was good to kind of talk to like I haven't talked to like a new person in the hobby in a while. So anything from like how do I build a list and what should we do? So it was it was fun for the evening just to kind of help a, a new guy along and i think and he's going to um kind of get in on this on this group and as we kind of escalate the idea is to escalate kind of through the winter and have kind of two thousand point armies by the adepticon-ish i'm going to shoot for probably having something by dragonfall because i think i'm going to go play 40k down there again but it's uh it was good yeah eric we'll get let you me, guys to do it every he, once in a while. he wouldn't let me join the escalation league well you were just gonna bring like mortarion and that's it that was my first 500 points it's already painted yeah. so um yeah excellent let's talk about everybody's new favorite game warcry warcry so you guys actually played it warcry so i had a chance at midwest meltdown Mm -hmm. to play it the friday night um 
before everything kicked off. Uh, a lot of, you know, big, big names in the AOS community. Um, you know, like I think Dave Whitetack from Garage, Garage Hammer brought uh, a copy. Domus had a copy. There was a few review copies um, from game stores up in Minneapolis that like Patrick and Walter uh, brought down. So there was some Warcry going on. Got a chance to play it. I brought Legions of Nagash um, models. So Necromancer, Graveguard, Skeletons. And they had all of the <clears throat> all of the faction cards there, so got to play a game, uh, like a game and a half, basically. Learn how it played, and in, in, in advance of the release, because it, it then released um, the following week when we were at Gen Con. And uh, I will save other Warcry moments for the Gen Con segment because <laughs> somebody else around the table got to play it there. So, but yeah, got Warcry in. Super excited. Um, we're going to be doing a, uh, a Warcry League at Brendan's for our weekly uh, hobby night on Tuesdays. Get some games in with Heath and Dave and, and Brendan. So, Warcry. Warcry. Cool. I've, uh, I'll save questions. You, we'll have questions later. I have a couple questions about Warcry. All right. We'll save questions yep. about Warcry for later. Uh, and in, in other miniature gaming news, um, actually, Blitzball. I'm intrigued. Who played Blitzball? So John and I played Blitz Bowl. Um, I went to our neighborhood, Barnes and Noble, uh, and I'm like, Barnes and Noble. That's the only place you can get it. <laughs> uh, it's a Barnes and Noble exclusive it is, game. Yep. So go there now and get it. And because uh, I, I, I think John had actually played Blood Bowl back in the day, like 25 years ago, when we there. So it's some really old stuff. But I never really got into it. I never really played it. Um, but I heard good things about Blitz Bowl, and so grabbed it. And John and I broke it out. Uh, put together the miniatures in whatever, 45 minutes probably. Um, they're kind of push fit, um, really nice miniatures. The orcs we did glue because the orcs were a little little, uh, little fiddly. fiddly. Yeah. yeah, so we were like, oh, okay, let's just get glue these things. So like 40 minutes later, we got these as we're watching some movie. Uh, and then they and then the game itself like walks you through. They have cards that will kind of walk you through the rules in terms of here's how you do plays and here's how people move and here's how you throw the ball. And, uh, and then we played and it was, it was like, it's fun. Like it's, what's interesting is like you have your miniatures, but then each turn there's cards on the top that actually, you actually end up scoring. Those get you as many points as kind of like scoring touchdowns and getting things. So you, and some of those things can be just like complete a pass over so many yards or crush two guys with somebody. And, you know, they have different things that goals that you want. I would say goals probably that's overused. What's the thing? And what, uh, like. Things you have to accomplish on them. And objectives. Then, objectives. And then you can, that's a good word, objectives. <laughs> and then you can take that card and it'll score you points. Plus, on the back, there's some kind of buff or could be just like a single time card or it gives you some special ability than that. So you're kind of just, you're moving your guys around, but you're also also trying to get those cards because they could give you a little boost and they also score points. And um, and yeah, so the first, it was, that was, it was fun. And now I need to paint them up and throw do, this out there so do they have the ability to use the other teams yeah in so in the in the the box you get team cards for i don't know i don't know i think there's a lot i don't know if it's every single bubble faction but a lot of the extra cards in there and you can just at my understanding is you can just get like the regular blood bowl um, teams and like half of the team is a blitz bowl team so you could like split one of those boxes with somebody and then you have your team. The game so. just went up a little bit then in my estimation. Yeah, because yeah, they have, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's like six or eight different of the things. There. I think it's orcs and humans in the box. And then 
you can get your elves or whatever else. I don't know all my blood, blood bowl teams by heart, but, um, but yeah, I think for what it is, and because I don't know what it, I mean, maybe it's, is it 40 bucks? I should know what it costs, but. Yeah, didn't you just buy it? Yeah, well, you don't look any, right? You just like, whatever. <laughs> you just it's a game things. workshop game at Barnes and Noble. I'm like, I don't know what to, whatever it costs. I think it's under 50 bucks. I'm pretty sure it's under 50 bucks. I think it's like a 30 or $40 game. So. And you get the models with it? Yep. That's a pretty good yeah. buy. Yeah, so do you get, I think, was there six, five or six models per team? So like a dozen. Very pretty cool. Pretty nice ones. So we'll maybe we'll give that a little laugh to get you guys break it out one of these days and yeah a little deeper dive on it but it's i think it is a fun like something like you do like a night before a, a tournament or something else you bring it along and break it out and although there are people i think that are doing blitz bowl tournaments and things like that too so hmm. so thumbs up on blitz bowl so far so i'm i'm gonna kick it over to to bryce um have you been playing any age of sigmar i played that game once um, yeah <laughs> Two things. I I'm trying to start up an escalation league up in the Fox Valley. I've, there's been a lot of interest lately, and a lot of new people that have come to the shop and been asking questions. So I'm start. I started one. Uh, this is the first month of it, so we're starting with 500 points, and then adding 250 every month. And the goal to get to 2,000 in time for Adepticon. So I've been really pushing that and trying to get people to join and play. And we've been playing every every other Saturday at Adventure Games. So trying to just keep that consistency so that people that are curious or have questions can come out and see it. Um, so that's that's locally. And then you and I and your brother just traveled down to Bloomington, Illinois? It was the middle of nowhere, yeah. but evidently it was a city. <laughs> yeah, it felt like the middle. Of, people say Pack is in the middle of nowhere, but... Bloomington's no, more middle of nowhere worse. than Wapaka. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd give you that one. Yeah, so melt, Midwest Meltdown, uh, this was the is the third year that we've attended i believe yeah third year we've attended third year it's been an event um and it was awesome it was it was huge yeah 120 mm. people i think it 116 mm. it ended up being um and i talked to domus a few times before the event and we were went back and forth about how we were worried about if it was going to lose the you know small tournament feel with so many people but it it, it didn't it felt i mean it Everyone was so friendly and awesome, and so many people there, and all levels of seriousness, competitiveness, hobbiness, like someone in every alley, and it was just awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely a really cool experience, um, and just it reminds me how great our community is here in the Midwest. Uh, people, you know, the the guys from Minnesota, the guys from Michigan, Wisconsin crew, all the guys from Illinois, some Chicago area, some that that crew of guys from Domus, uh, like Domus's area, like Tom, Kevin and, and Domus. And, um, who else was the ringer? Kenneth Tup. Tup. Those four, like what they did for such a big event to, to put it together was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, just, uh, incredible prize support. Yeah. Like, yeah, the prize support was amazing. Random like giveaways the, every, <laughs> yeah. felt like every 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, there was like seven every round for all three <clears> rounds <throat> and then in between two. The, I mean, the table probably had close to 100 boxes on it. Yeah. It was so, crazy. Um, and that's, you know, the game store up in Minneapolis, uh, the Source, uh, Source Games, I think. Yeah, Patrick. Mini Stomp um, mm -hmm. and a number of others. Uh, I actually picked up a copy of Root uh, there because one of the guys, Travis, um, works for 
Atlas Games and does some warehousing for later games. So he had brought that along with some other stuff. And when I got to pick, I was like, wrote guaranteed <laughs> only person here that might grab a war game, but I'm grabbing it. <laughs> and then we saw him at Gen Con. Yep, yep. And so it all comes around. And, and I'm not going to talk about all the five of my games. I did go two and three because I can't win three games with my Stormcast list. I'm just I'm never going to win a third game. With to be that, fair, every time you list. say you're going to go zero and five, so you're really exceeding expectations. <laughs> I am two hundred percent by two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. Um, but I played. Uh, so I, I played Mr. Mephisto, Andrew, round one. There was a lot of beer consumed. Um, what? Didn't pay attention to the fact Neferata's minus to hit could stack. Uh, so I found myself at negative two for most of the game because I was not paying attention and then slightly drunk and felt like I was, you know, slapping him while he was stabbing me. And when you slap somebody stabbing you, it doesn't yeah. usually work out. But so uh, I pictured you slapping him and him stabbing you, but. <laughs> Caught up now. <laughs> um, then had a, a few other really good games. Uh, played Cody in round two. I'm pretty sure um, he was playing corn. Uh, <laughs> he also beat me. Ty was very drunk, in um, case you guys can't figure that one out. Round three, I played Chuck, Jardina. Uh, he had Gloomspite, uh, Gitz, and I don't remember how I won, but one turn I just obliterated most of his army. Uh, and I won that game round three, continuing my very drunk round three victory streak, which I'm quite proud of at this point. <laughs> um, I feel like you're my round three. You're sobering up is probably no, maybe that's no, no you don't think because he, so, he he's continuing. He's no, in, no, he, no, okay, yeah, yeah, there was no sobering for no, Ty. no. Uh, and then round four, I played a guy named Jim. Uh, he was also playing corn. And round five, I got to play Travis, which was one of my favorite games of AOS this year. Um, I forgot his Roman Lord Corruptor had a Sword of Judgment. He forgot my Star Drake had Ignax's Scales, so they met in the middle and fought for three turns, uh, and nobody else wanted to get involved in that. Well, the rest of the game kind of happened around it, and every turn they'd hurt each other, heal up, hurt, like, so it was just a long, drawn-out uh, fight. But Travis and I had a, just an awesome game. It was super close, super fun, um, and it was really cool to catch up with him at, uh, at Gen Con at the Atlas booth where they had their new game, uh, Godforge, so uh, a card game I wanted to talk about because I know I'd forget if I waited till Gen Con. So, um, but those were the five games, two and three. Awesome time. How about you, Bryce? I played five games too. Uh, you really showed me up by saying everyone's name because I uh, worked this morning and left all my notes at home. But I think I can do it. <laughs> okay, uh, game one, I had originally grudged Tom and Domus forgot, which is fine because I got to play a gentleman named Ross. It was his first AOS event, uh, first game of aos actually he'd ever played and he had a tuned up daughter's list so it was pretty funny but um he was a super nice guy he had a lot of questions so i got to kind of teach him how to play and and what to do and tried to give him advice to beat me like i do to troy all the time and then uh, ended up winning um that game and then game two i played quinn who uh is a club mate of ours from the wisco kings he's he's a super awesome guy from uh, Wapaka, and he was playing Corn, um, and it was a close game, but I just kind of killed everything really fast. He had a lot of reavers and small un- uh, small units, and he just couldn't hold objectives. Uh, game three, uh, see, I knew this was going to happen. I played someone in game three, and I apologize to whoever that was because it was a fun game. Um, 
I can't even remember what army it was, but won but that one too. You, you won that one. So you're yeah, 3-0 yeah, after yeah. day one. That's yeah. the important thing here. I'm 1-2. You're 3-0. Yeah. I think I was the only club mate that was 3-0 at that point. Um, and we didn't mention, but Domus did a thing this year where he had a, a club award. And it wasn't all based on you know battle points and stuff like that. The hobby was a big part of it. So it might come into play later. but We'll see. Um, so that was that. And uh, game four, I played Kyle. They... Uh, Brad asked me to call him Other Kyle from Detroit, but I refused because he's Kyle and not Other Kyle. Um, he was playing Corn 2, and uh, it was a super close game. It really came down to me taking the objective from him on turn 2, and it was a mission where you had to pick which unit held it, and if they died, your points would restart. It was one of those where you score cumulatively. And I had held one on the other side the entire game, and I took it from him on game on turn two. He took it right back, but it restarted his points. Mm, so yeah. I I won by one from that happening, and um, so that was super close. And then I was four and zero after four games, which I've never done before. So that was cool. It was full points, full secondaries. So doing pretty good. And I go into game game five against the one and only Donnie with his iron jaws. And uh, iron jaws are pretty good now. They, they, he had a unit of 30 art boys that he just teleported right into my army and, and I couldn't do anything. Turn Basically after turn, he had top of turn one and I, I, I could have screamed better and maybe if I got lucky and got priority on two, I could have won it. But I mean, Donnie's a good player and, and had a good list and he ended up taking third overall. So uh, good. I mean, great, great. Everything about it was great. It was cool for me too. I first time I finished four and one. I had five best uh, or favorite opponent votes, and I was top ten in painted. So it was really kind of trifecta, and it, with 120 people, that always feels really yeah. good. So excellent, yeah. Yeah. So so what Bryce left out is his list was definitely not a top tier list. Um, it was very unique in construction. Had some interesting choices, um, and it it just it was well balanced enough. And I I think you caught you know some some tough matchups for the list too, um, and, and did well. So it was cool to see, which leads into the awards where, you know, what it was, Domus had a basically top finish for unique, well done, kind of all around all elements of the hobby army. Um, the beast of legend. Yep. And, uh, Bryce took that one home, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was cool. It was. Uh, there was probably five or six people who walked past when I was on, you know, the top row of tables in games three and four. And they're like, "What the heck are you playing?" Because <laughs> like, there were a lot of things in there that didn't make a lot of sense. But you know, it's just using them in the right way, and and people don't really know what to do against it. They don't realize that my Peladors can go from one end of the board to the other because no one really plays them. And the prime does a lot of damage and so it was it was cool and it was it was it was awesome to be recognized for trying to do something different and, and doing well with it and um yeah someone else i think won an award too yeah i was uh i was pretty shocked i guess i'd forgotten that it was even an award <laughs> uh when what domus did which was really really cool he he said i'm gonna call up all the winners and he just read the you know 12 names or whatever um and then started handing out awards. So I was like, what the heck am I up here for? <laughs> yeah. I can't be best sport because I don't remember what happened in two rounds. 
Um, <laughs> it's not Best Painted because it wasn't out on display. But um, he had a theme award, so best like themed army. So I uh, was able to take home another another hobby award for the uh, the deep cast. Eternals. Beast of theme. Beast of theme. Yeah. Um, which was really cool, um, and contributed to the five of seven hobby awards that the Wisco Kings uh, club took. So Detroit might have gone one, two, three, um, you know, in best yeah. finish, but we cleaned up on hobby. The only person that wasn't part of our club that won hobby awards was Chris Broska um, for his actual beast. He was player's choice and best painted um, beast. So he took both of those. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, Butcher's uh, Wisco Kings took five of the other seven so trophies. So who were all the way, who's on, was all on your team on Wisco Kings? So Quint, Quinton, mm-hmm. Quinn, um, yeah. Andrew... Tolstead, mm-hmm. Andrew Careless, Mike Butcher, Bryce, myself, Tom, and then Cody was playing under the, the Wisco Kings banner. So it was median finishes. So the top and the bottom were removed. And then awards basically were bonus points. So like hobby awards. Hobby awards yeah. were bonus points. So oh, though, cool. you know, median finish might have been below where Detroit's median was, the hobby awards just pushed okay. us over the top and we cleaned up there. Oh, did we save? That we won? Oh, yeah. We won Best <laughs> Club at Midwest Meltdown, the Wisco Kings. So, cool. Yeah, cool. and that was cool. I mean, I think it's yeah. – I'm sure that, you know, Brad and the Detroit crew probably weren't super happy that we took it because they did finish one, two, and three. And <laughs> they had – I mean, I think every one of them was at least three and two, yeah. if not four and one. So, but it's cool that Domus really – I mean, Domus has always been the kind of guy that's really been – pro hobby and really yep. tried to drive the hobby so it was it was awesome to be recognized and i know that it meant a lot to to butcher who put in a ton mm-hmm. of work to put this together and he's coordinated ordering dice ordering t-shirts all this stuff so i know even though he won't say it he was really proud of, of putting this together and bringing us all under one banner and it was just cool to, to win that so cool no congrats you guys that's awesome yeah super cool and yeah and it's really it's really cool i mean i really I and mean, we can have a whole nother show on it i think but i i really like the idea of like best overall is everything like it shouldn't just be i it shouldn't just be placing in your battle points i think that's the thing and there's an award for that it's best general and ever right. but i really think best overall should be Sports, rewarding hobby hobby and yeah. and it yeah. should almost balance the hobby as heavily as the battle points if not more which sounds right. like kind of where domus was was headed and i don't know I, in my mind that helps just create the atmosphere of yes you're competitive and people want to win but it's everything and it's it's kind of sharing the hobby and and you know and and really really geeked out about these really cool models that we're all kind of playing with and stuff like that so i don't know that's that's kind of my soapbox on that and i'm so yeah. i'm happy to see that and there are events there will be some events that are totally competitive focused and that's great for them and other ones can kind of take up the mantle and say hey we're going to be more of kind of the overall Let's champion the hobby, and we know Domus. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what he likes. So, and another one that the three of you are attending, uh, Walpaca <laughs> twenty twenty. That's yeah. that's actually one where it's like twenty five percent each category, and someone who was four and one won last year when there was two five and zero people. So, I, I mean, that yep. just it, it's cool that you know some people are great players and don't care about the hobby, and some people are great hobbyists and pretty darn good players. Mm-hmm. So it's cool to see them have a chance to win it too congrats wisco kings war cry war cry cry. all right 
Let's move on into the hobby. Since well, we, we, we were just, in oh, hobby. I feel like oh, we were boy. in hobby. We, we skipped something. Yeah, what did we skip? skip something. Oh, you're right. Mr. Yep. How dare I? Oh, Public oh, apology. Yeah. There's dare no way you. I'd let you pass this one. Wow. All right. Tonight's Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition Recap brought to you by Mr. Mephisto. Last time on Dungeons & Dragons, you guys made some horrible choices. It's hard to say last time because like, it's three times that we're talking about. A, right? few well, times, a few times. A few horrible choices. Yeah. Ultimately. I mean, one person really made a terrible choice and that was it. I mean, which person? The one over there that plays the barbarian? No. For for picking up the scepter? No, I mean, he, it wasn't his fault. Almost for killing the, the party in the Paku's yeah. tomb? Yeah, well, that was, you know, yeah, a thing. It wasn't a great idea. Okay. You mean Paul's character? Mm. Derek for attacking the champion and getting cut down oh. in like two hits? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, we were pretty banged yeah. up. Banged up, all spell slots gone. So let's just do this, right? We, yeah. What happened? We were we were in a tomb. We couldn't make yeah. noise. We got we got out of there just fine, and we teleported in front of a a mirror. Yep. And myself, Paul, Akachi, and Somergan the Somergan, monk. He spunk. Um. Got put in the prison, right? Yep. For trapped in the mirror, which was ultimately you were in cells. Uh, in the mirror of of life stealing, life trapping, totally stuck, and it was up to the other members of the party to save you. Well, um, not everyone thought about trying to save you, and Russ and Gussie, so Brendan and Tom, wandered off down a hallway, uh, <laughs> went into another room where they nearly died, and it took Tom putting his arm in a sphere of annihilation. His character no lost reason. his arm um, <laughs> to to get out. Brendan's character took the Black Opal Crown, um, and they almost died fighting the two Bodaks. They managed to escape with their lives to get back to the mirror where Paul had Paul bargained with the used the favor from the gym to get somebody out. Got Bryce's character Tiamat out. Then Tiamat started summoning things out of the mirror. After yeah. he figured out how to do it with the command word. Oh, yeah, that was... Tom started one using One at a the, time. One at a time. But and they were in a row... No. Like, let's wait until we <laughs> kill the one we, thing. We can't no. take long rest every 20 minutes. That's not how Dungeons & Dragons works. <laughs> no, but let's kill the one monster <laughs> before we bring the next one. you a class that can't recover spells. That's not our fault. Yeah. <laughs> And but then and I then. just like it was like we we're doubling down. Like, all right, guess what? Oh, the guy that came out—that was a huge demon monster. Oh, guess what? I'm just gonna pull out the next guy because yeah, that's gonna be one of better. our friends. The odds are it's gonna be our friends, not another terrible monster. It's like no. And then let's then the put best it all part. Black again. To, yeah, right. To yeah. compound all of this, we Tom starts using the wand of wonder in these encounters, <laughs> which has a better than half chance, better than the fifty percent chance to screw you over. Uh, and he uses it and he rolls the result on the D100 chart, and it's an item not held or possessed within 100 feet breaks. There's only one item nearby. Yep. And you were, you, you were kind on this one, too. That's the mirror, yeah. 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 I could have broken it, and everyone would have been stuck yeah. in it. I said, all right, everything comes out. So I said, the mirror shatters, cracks, everyone comes out. So then there was a huge battle. <laughs> 
all these different <laughs> things coming out of this mirror, swirling around. One of which was a champion of the old queen of Omu, um, who saw the scepter on Akachi, so struck Akachi down, big time, like couple couple slashes and yeah, yeah, she was pretty dropped. good, yeah. The party was like, "All right, we're we're gonna let, let this thing walk." She yeah, got she her was scepter. just walking away. Yep. And Derek said, "No, I'm attacking." Derek attacked, <laughs> got struck down, and then um, some some stuff happened when we played next because uh, we I stayed on with Paul and Bryce, kind of talked about it. So Tiamat, the protector of Derek from the deck of many things, um, had a chance when Derek's soul was claimed by this evil sword he's been carrying around uh, that he was warned about what could happen when he falls unconscious with it, failed a wisdom save, his soul was claimed. Tiamat sacrificed himself and then we got to meet the new character last time we played. A uh, divination wizard with one level of cleric? One level of cleric, yeah. Uh, As you guys pushed on into the next level, Niso handed out some some like divination portents, you know, messages to each member of the party. Um, and uh, you guys headed further in and discovered the next level was these huge gears. The rooms all rotated, found a control panel, uh, didn't fully figure out how to use the control panel, but figured out part of it and then decided that was sufficient to, <laughs> to carry on. Yep. Uh, headed back in Um Interacting with an abolith, a few of you had a conversation with what appeared to be a psychotic, broken abolith. Um, the drow that came with you from the mirror got torn apart by some shambling mounds <laughs> when he got left behind because nobody told him the plan. Um, yep. Then you guys got presented with a path that clearly led further in towards the goal mm-hmm. when you knew your long rest was over. You knew that you'd taken your final rest. As this uh, soulmonger machine is moving ever closer to destruction of the world. And you guys saw a what was clearly a, a treasure stop. Um, an encounter with a bunch of demons, devils that came out of a wall, a gold-crusted uh, mastodon. You got a cool treasure out of it. Did we? But it took a lot mm. to survive through that meat grinder room. Yes, that not, was a meat worth it. grinder room. Yes. Um and now you guys have another meat grinder room to get further into the dungeon because you're standing in a place with five wardrobes that have images mm. of these different levels of hell. Uh, and there's five blood-shaped, blood-drop-shaped diamonds above a portcullis that's made from adamantine you can't get through. So the guess is you got to fight whatever comes out of each of the wardrobes to get through the portcullis to get further into the dungeon. Yeah, so the good yep. news is I spent six days writing background and creating a character for it to die after two episodes. <laughs> but that's okay. No big deal. Yeah. Nah, we'll be, we'll, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. All right. Hobby. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you got to close it out. You got to yeah, end. You gotta and that was tonight's Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition recap brought to you by Mr. Mephisto. That's at Mr. Underscore Meph on Twitter. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. All right, now hobby. More hobby. So I put together some miniatures. I haven't hobbied. Warcry miniatures? Warcry terrain. Haven't built the warband yet. Um, The terrain is incredible. I'm absolutely floored by how much you get in the the starter Mm. box. Um, 
feels like you could almost base some of the scatter train use the buildings and have a table full of eight to ten train features for a full game of aos so that skull is really cool the like the like statue the head, yeah yeah it's cool yeah the the walkways the the different patterns you configure the buildings in um there's uh the directions don't really tell you all the layouts to make so some people have made some pretty cool guides to building the train so that you can have every piece you're going to need. I have a question about Warcry. Yeah. I keep seeing the like the boards or whatever. The tiles, does it come with tiles or are people making boards? Uh, so you get a 22 by 30 board that's two-sided in the box. But people are also making their, their own. Um, but they're like hard plastic boards or are they like... They're like a real thick they're, cardboard. They're like the kill team boards. Yeah. What's yeah. that? I know. Bryce is like, what? <laughs> they're, just, they're actually exact same size as the kill team boards. Yeah. Yep. 22 by 30. Um, so like frontline gaming and table war make actual mats That's in that cool. size uh, with some like most of them are sci-fi because kill team. But there are some that are tundra or right, badlands right. or, you know, neutral. And then some people are making their own from pink foam and like uh, Eric um, from Mortal Realms, uh, Stone Monk Gamer on Twitter. He's he's doing some cool stuff um, for uh, for boards for Warcry. 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 <laughs> what am I printing this stuff for you, Ty? Is that secret? Yeah, no. So those those are for Warcry. Um, so Warcry. <laughs> is Josh going to come? I'm not doing it. No. <laughs> um, so the printable sceneries uh, has wooden like plank walkways um, that I think will be really they'll they'll work perfectly yep. for between the buildings, um, or I want to try to use them as well. I have that three by three um, board that Brian uh, Nairo mm-hmm. made yep. for uh, Killzone yep. that yep. all the trees with yep. the different levels. Parts of that would work great with some of those walkways yep. and whatnot between the trees and maybe some ruins on the like the the top of that yep. so i think that'll make just an awesome board to to play on so that's what those are for to play war cry on war cry. so troy at gen con you um got better you upped your hobby game with a class yep i thursday morning i did the ck studios uh large miniature airbrush class i had kind of done one similar at adopticon i think two years ago or a year ago um so this one you paint you get a whole armature which is the mini night models for 40k you get one of those and that's what you paint over the six hour of class um and uh, it was good i mean anytime you can kind of have somebody walking you through um different techniques and stuff that i you know wouldn't try and things like that and and kind of the especially the you know where caleb really talks about how he shoots shadow from underneath and how he, he really does like a really um what's the word i'm looking for like you'll do your highlights really extreme and then he kind of comes over top he usually likes to use like a glaze or some kind of a filter that then you layer over top and it brings on and it's like you're scared of you trying it because like there's he's like at some point it's gonna be a really ugly point in it until you kind of do the the filter and blend everything in but it's it, you know i don't you don't know if i'd have enough guts to do it if you didn't have somebody there kind of walking you through the steps and and um what i also learned and unfortunately is he's using the shoot what's the other airbrush type 
uh, starts with an H. I'm looking at Bryce to see if he knows. Like the brand? The brand, yeah. Hiawatha? No, not Hiawatha. Um, no, um, it starts with an H. The Badger. German. Badger. It's not Badger. Um, unfortunately. It's Pascal. No, and I'll find the... But they had these brand new, brand new, like we took them out of the box. Um, they're like two names. It's like, and I'll find it later when you guys are. Those are the only three I know. Um, but these are, they're, because I had heard people talk about them. And, and I think it was probably Caleb or somebody on Independent Character or something about how good. And until you have it in your hand, like the trigger is just, it's so much smoother. It's, and I'm, I'm kind of sold. I'm like, not Did that I one? need another one. No, but. Oh. He will. I might be. Yeah, <laughs> it, it'll I mean, just show up at his house. Yeah, he won't buy it. But yeah, Kent and Caleb, they basically say if through them they can get a pretty decent deal on on those two because now because they're sponsored by. I think they're getting theirs through there. So and it's kind of cool because I think GW sponsors their class, so it's all GW paints and the models. And well, they're not going to sponsor you unless you can think of their name. I know. Right I got to find the arrow. It starts in H. I don't want to get it. I want to just mangle it, so I'll look and get it right. But. I mean, I'd only used Badger stuff before, and there's good, but you didn't. I didn't until you have it in your hand. You're like, oh, I get what people are talking about. Like it just the it just feels a little so much smoother, um, especially in the the trigger control. I'm using my fingers so that people can't see, but um, but it was good. I I probably will not do another one of these like show classes, like the four to six hour. I feel like I've kind of learned everything you can in that, and I'd probably now look to do like one of their full day one hundred one or one hundred two classes. Um, How many people are in that class? We had about, and it was pretty tight. I mean, I was, I think Gen Con could up there compared to what Adepticon does. I think the Gen Con hobby classes are a little iffy um, or a lot iffy. Um, but I mean, Cat and Caleb know their stuff, so they were able to kind of, met, but we were kind of a little cramped, but it was fine for everybody. It was kind of like us right now around this little table. That's kind of how much space oh, wow. we had so when like we were 20, doing. 20 people-ish? Uh, I think about like 16, 15 or okay. 16, I think around. Um, but this is basically, they just had like a U-shape, kind of like the tables we are. And we were kind of inside and out of that whole U. So you were kind of, no, you weren't like squirting across. <laughs> you had to be a little careful. You weren't like airbrushing the guy across from you. But, uh, but it was pretty tight. Yeah. But even the other painting classes were, um, again, I think Gen Con could kind of embrace for as big as they are and as much stuff as they Because they're doing more and more like this class, the airbrush class and a lot of the art class. And I think Vince was there and he was teaching a bunch. Um, it'd be interesting to get his impression, like how if they, how how they treated him in terms of the space and stuff like that. I mean, they had the whole room; it was okay. I would say it's okay, but I think we're kind of also spoiled a little bit by like how good Adepticon does with with their classes and how they treat them. So, but very cool. I've I've also been working with some resin recently. Um, I purchased some miniatures for Judgment, a fifty-four millimeter scale um, miniature, like battle arena style game um and they are amazing like the models just i'm so excited to paint them i haven't i haven't wanted to paint a model this badly <laughs> in in a very long time um so i i bought the new the gen con exclusive it's this orc like female warrior with this huge shield and hammer uh sharn um a knight sir marcus the winter knight so he he looks really cool this uh, elf ranger that's kind of like leaping off of a tree that twists. So he's like twisting around the tree, shooting his bow. Um, and a minotaur that's charging with one hand that's just crushed something like a corpse below it. So the fist is on the ground and he's in this, they're really dynamic poses. Mm -hmm. And at 54 millimeter, God, they're, they're super cool. there's such just incredible detail. And, and they, they went together like a dream. Uh, like Forge World, you know, resin is 
not always mm-hmm. very easy to work with. You spend a lot of time kind of fitting it together and a lot of gaps. There's very few gaps like these. Um, these casts are just incredible. Yeah, I actually thought that now she's, I thought they were plastic when I walked by the booth and looked at them. I actually thought they were because they did look that kind of smooth. And they, so the fact that you say they're resin makes me yeah, impressed with. So they, the ones from the starter box are plastic. Okay. So, uh, so, oh, they, so these were the special ones. Next to, okay. Everything else is, is resin. Oh. You get three plastic miniatures in the starter box and you get some like card standees. So you yep. can play yep. a game air quotes with the starter box. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the heroes that you purchase individually are, are resin and they're, they're fantastic. And you can replace your little standees then. Is yeah. that the deal? Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. See, that was a little bit, I didn't know the whole story. Then, you can, I, you can buy the, anything that's a standee you can buy. And they were doing some yeah. deals where when you bought the starter and three heroes, you got a free monster. Mm-hmm. So I got this werewolf uh, miniature. That's one of the monsters. Cause judgment works that you're collecting souls or trying to defeat your opponent's effigy, like a totem. Um, and there are monsters that you know can interact and and fight both sides. So minis are amazing, though. Like that's I'm so I put them together at Hobby Night last Tuesday in you know under two hours, which was I'm pretty slow at building, and these cleaned up and went together like a dream. Now I'll ruin them with paint. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bryce, any hobby? Any more hobby? You're always hobbying. Always hobbying. Uh, I'm I'm painting some D and D figures mm. for a special in person game that we're playing on September seventh. Uh, you've seen a lot of them. There's a lot of frost giants, as listeners that know us might expect, and then there's one surprise, and then no one knows Whoa. about it except for Tyson. So yep. Uh, and then I'm that escalation thing that I mentioned. I'm doing Deepkin for that, and I'm kind of trying to do something pretty special for the deepkin so we'll see what happens <laughs> <laughs> all right kickstarter i had a box show up me too Ooh. is it the same box i got or not a copy of the same box well Similar you, box? Have, you have two boxes you may have gotten yeah. i only got one of them you only got one of them um yeah it was sitting on my doorstep i think when i got home from gen con yep was the outbreak undead second edition the game master guide all the cards all the extra were you one of the dice. lucky backers that got two copies of the game master guide um you know what because they sent out a message about it and they said we screwed up most of you will have gotten a second one don't ship it back keep it um, so here's how bad I am in terms of we're going to get into Gen Con purchases. Um, that you, box, you didn't even look. I didn't even look. That box is literally, I opened the top, like, oh, it's my outbreak and dead stuff. And I set it in a pile with all the other crazy stuff that I got, including the next thing that. <laughs> well, I'm going to call Sherry and sneak over to your house. And you we're, won't even know. I won't even know. Like, oh, I only got one Game Master Guide. We're all shaking our heads yeah. at him, just like you are, listeners. So, yeah. So, because they, I opened the, I almost just quit right now. <laughs> they had, they had some pretty significant issues with uh, fulfillment yeah. of the Kickstarter. Um, you know, it, it dated back almost a year mm-hmm. since the um, Survivor's Guide got distributed. Then. The tokens, the cards, the dice, like every problem they could have mm-hmm. ran into, they did, but was really great. They were um, incredibly transparent in their mm-hmm. communication throughout the process and the updates. Um, and then they sent out a message saying, if you haven't got your tracking notice, don't worry, mm-hmm. we're shipping stuff. Um, the day of that notice is when I got my package. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, no mm-hmm. big deal. 
and then I got a second book. So just like they made a mistake with the survivor's guidance, sent people those that had fulfilled that Gen Con last Mm -hmm. year. So like I got two, two Kickstarters worth of stuff. So, and then, uh, Simon, Simon sent me, uh, like a box. You get like a mini fridge in, was it a demo copy? Uh, no a re- review copy there because no. you're such a, a no prominent this one member I, of the community. I broke back when when we all <laughs> heard and, and there was like zombies in space and we um, all rolled our, our eyes, eyes and said it was terrible <laughs> but you went behind you everyone's went, back i didn't go behind everyone's and kick started it you sure did no well they kept pounding on me they send you like an email every day they're like look look at all this cool stuff we're unsubscribe mm-hmm. oh look look at all this cool stuff do we're not adding. want um and so i got zombicide invaders so zombies in space that's really aliens um and heroes in power armor and heroes in power and armor they ripped off everything about it from so many things uh it, well there i mean like anything there's a lot of the heroes are inspired by different things especially a lot of the kickstarter extra kind of people who i may never even get out of the box because then like there's i'm telling you it's a mini fridge it's like three feet tall by about 12 inches wide, you know the thing and you just you keep pulling out boxes but we did break it out um and played the base game on sunday or Saturday. a couple days ago john and ashton came over and and we had fun like it was it's good it's different it's like the engine you know they revved the engine so you call it zombicide 3.0 probably in terms of the rule set just tweak some things make it there there's a couple of different mechanics because you're kind of in the space station and being attacked by aliens uh you don't actually spawn rooms when you go in because you are in the sp- you are in the building right because you live in the space station and so the stuff all comes from the outside on the boards um, but there's some ideas of some uh, mold that the abominations kind of drop, and then those become more spawn points and, and and grow, and they also can eat away at the at the um, at the space station as they dig through. Um, little tweaks like concentrated fire to allow you to with a not so you're not always searching for that. How do I find that three damage weapon? You can actually kind of say I'm shooting at that one thing, and then any of your hits you can add the damage to. Um, but then the balance too. what we kind of noticed is that like, you know, normally in the are in blue, like it seems like it takes a while for the game to kind of ramp up in this. Again, we only played like once, so it's, but it felt like the like you're in it, like the amount of aliens that are there and abominations are like right there on blue, like there's stuff like right away. So it feels like the kind of the the level of engagement and the amount of zombies and stuff or aliens that are there um, kind of beefs up right away. Um, so I think we can play it. It's different enough that it doesn't like replace Black Plague. I don't think because it's so different from the in the genre and the rules are a little bit different. Um, but it it, uh, it so I think there, it, there's room for space for it to kind of play, especially to maybe play with half the stuff that I got in the Kickstarter at some point. So and off to paint it and i'm already like well how could i 3d print a board and kind of like you're always like <laughs> <laughs> right i know we're so bad like i can't play a miniature game on these card like i'm like what's mm-hmm. a board what's this board doing I, I can't imagine that this looks like a space station i want it to look like a space station so troy troy's gonna talk to elon musk and find a way to get in space to play <laughs> zombie side invaders in an actual space station That'd be the first ever zombie side game in space. Mm-hmm. In space. All right. But it does mean it did kill 
I will this and we'll talk about later. Like my original zombie site is like packed up going off to eBay or some whatever. Retired, <sighs> retired on that one. Well, what is cool at, at Gen Con seeing second edition uh, coming. Mm-hmm. Um, for the original zombie yep. set, so they're totally re. Which they should. I mean, they say they could take updated. the engine now, that kind yeah. of the rules engine that they got, and just apply that back to the the original one, and that'd right. be cool. And they'll do a whatever. What should we say? It'll be a one point two million dollar Kickstarter. It probably won't be huge, huge, but yeah, I don't know. You know what? That's we'll have to think. We'll, yeah, I don't even know we'll, if they'd hit a million on it. We'll interesting. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Any new Kickstarters out there that you've recently backed or thinking about backing? I'd like to go across the table to our guest to talk about it. Yeah, right. I did the thing. I, right. I've only ever backed three things on Kickstarter. So every day I message Ty and say, hey, how do I do this? Because um, <laughs> I know he's an enabler. Uh, so I listened to the last episode where where Ty brought up a thing on Kickstarter and said the wrong name, and then you guys looked it up and still said the wrong name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that game was actually company, called right? Etherfields. Yeah. Etherfields, yeah. 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 And uh, mm. the game itself sounds cool. You're like playing through a dream world, but the models that come with the game are just mind-blowing. Yeah. Like, they're some of the coolest models I've ever seen any company make, and you get so many of them you get like 60 some models with with the backing and they're just gorgeous and they're all large models so i backed it and i'm trying to figure out how to like increase my pledge so i get all the extra stuff that comes on with it you'll get a backer uh, survey i'm just so worried you fill out the survey and it will ask you to pay any more of a difference (laughs) and uh, what you get and it'll ask you to like confirm your address and other things so it'll be um, it'll either come from backer kit or it'll come from uh, kickstarters like yeah. back end pledge manager pledge manager i think they, they sent an email about pledge manager coming yeah. so in yeah. october yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean they want to take your money yeah so. i want to give them my money <laughs> yeah. too, so it's like it'll happen yeah you're good but yeah it looks awesome and i can't wait mm-hmm. to i think it's not till next summer that i get it but yeah i Guarantee I will play that game with you. Yeah. Um, I didn't back it. I was close. I hovered on it, and I, I was like, I've got too much. I need yeah. to clear out <laughs> space. So I'm in the process of yeah. making some room for future Kickstarters because I'm still waiting for Death May Die to come, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. should be this this fall. So. And it'll be in retail, and there'll be more opportunity. You don't get all the craziness that you get in a Kickstarter, but, yeah, yeah. it'll still be out there, so get there so other ones and this one was at i think it's it'll just be going live when we release this and it was at gen con and um this is my friend uh, mike hall is actually pointing me at this one is this dungeons and lasers uh it's an i hate to say yet another but it's one of these um you know tile based lets you assemble kind of a, a 3d dungeon with floors and and walls. Um, the I'll say the unique thing of it is it does have some interesting connect, like the way they engineered how the different things connect um, is a little different than what we've seen with a lot of these other ones, which are a lot of them use clips and things, other things there. This, it's all kind of built in. There are some, I hate to say, they're kind of clips, but they're a little different. They're more like, I don't know, they have two holes and they're little uh, attachments for the floors to hold together, but the walls actually kind of snap right into the floor so it's kind of that that's the one thing that was kind of interesting i said you might want to take a look at it um if you if you're not invested in some other 
one already. And Dungeon and Lasers, again, they have a, a, a fantasy version of kind of the, the walls. And then they're also doing like a sci-fi alien if you want to do like a spaceship stuff. Uh, and it's all, again, injected mold, injected plastic will be what it comes out. I looked at it. I don't, one thing I'm not, it's a little bit, it's kind of more of a almost true 25 millimeter scale, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my mind, like the scale's a, a hair small for kind of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You're actually getting the the material. You're not able to print it. No, it's, yeah, this is like, uh, kind of like the, what was that? Uh, what was the one that they did? Um, the guys at, uh, you're going to make me think, remember they did the, I'm going to say it's not Renegade or whatever, whatever that dungeon where they did basically it's, it is, they took the 3d molds that and basically it was designed by the guys that printed scenery, but they basically created 3d uh, or ram, injection rampage, molds. Dungeon rampage or, or rampage dungeon. That's it. Yeah. Like it starts in R. Um, so it's kind of in those things where they kind of took, yeah, I'm sure you could do these. I don't know if they're making them. If they would sell the files upscale, right. You could upscale yeah. or something else. Like that. But this is kind of, again, to, if you don't want to do the print a million things, which takes forever. Right. And it's, and again, the plastic's a little bit more there. So I'd say, take a look at it. I'm not some, it's probably not in, my wheelhouse, but it's kind of interesting in that the engineering is a little different and to go there. So Josh, you, you can talk about the next one, which is everybody, I think we're all excited for this. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a game we all love, uh, fiasco, uh, they've created a card based version. It's on Kickstarter now, uh, by bully pulpit games. And so, yeah, I think they kind of cleaned up some rules and just made it, um, super accessible because it's all card based instead of, dice and flipping pages and stuff and then um they have a bunch of different of the modules as um add-ons so um you know they had like western and they had like deep space and you know all the different um uh settings and set and setting um so yeah those are all different things uh different card sets that you can add into the game so i'm kind of jazzed about that i think that's cool um so yeah anyway um Bully Public Games fiasco card based, mm. and we'll we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Ooh, Chicken Hunt Manager, what do I get on this? <laughs> what? Nothing. Real time backing. Be, right I might now. be back yeah. here. I'm just gonna do a tutorial for just Bryce right here on how to like <laughs> how to back something. How to back something? Yeah. <laughs> well, I got the backing, um, especially on the add-ons that I'm and, concerned about, and how to do it as an impulse buy. This yeah, is like, this yeah. is good. It's good teaching. Yeah, really good listening too. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like three three Kickstarters. That's like that's like my Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. Um, all right. What about other stuff? I am not at all familiar with this first one. I don't know who who put this on the show notes or, or what this is. Um. So I stumbled on this as I was um, looking at registering for. Um, game hole and we got game hole dragonfall all these falcons time to register as i can't remember why i was like oh i was looking for people who like some of the people who were running events at some of these cons as i was going to register for like game hole things and so i was kind of just like randomly googling the dm's name um or the gm's names to see if they had done anything else because that's how i pick events sometimes and i found this site called the con fei fei um and it's fairly new but it's basically this, these people who go to like Gen Con and uh, Game Hole Con and, and Origins, I think. Um, and they're like, how do you like, 
just like we talked about, you go to events and some of them are good and some of them are bad. So they rate. And they're trying, yeah, they're trying to create some kind of a, a the like database. A rate my teacher kind of thing. Yeah, rate. So yeah. Did, did you find yourself? No, I did not because it's too That's new. That's the first thing you looked at. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're worried, right? You're like kind of. Well, he was a special uh, guest. Right. Nexus. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, Nexus wasn't in there, I think is right. And they weren't. Uh, and I, again, I haven't run anything yet. Well, I guess we did run at uh, Gamehole last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, they only had, I think they thought about this in 2017 and they started to put some stuff in place for, I think they had like Origins and Gen Con this year to do it. So the interesting thing is, I don't, again, we stumbled on it. So it doesn't have a lot of, I, I don't know, a lot of people using it yet. It's one of those things where it needs to probably get a certain critical mass for it to make some sense. But uh, I thought it was an interesting idea um, because it is something that we've talked about. Like a lot, you know, the the person running the, your event is going to make or break whether you're probably going to have a good time or not. Usually, so mm. um, so I don't know. Check it out. It's one of those things. Yeah, if we <clears throat> if people put energy into it, it'll take off a little bit. I don't know if there's how much of a desire is for it. And like anything else, if it's crowdsourced, you're at the mercy of what people other people's opinions so it's like. right <laughs> so i was looking for a chulton barbarian model uh for our in-person D D. uh assuming he survives you know through <laughs> yeah we'll all need new the next uh yeah right um so i would i don't know i found a lot of uh barbarians with like furs on and you know giant axes and stuff but i couldn't find one that was just like like a cholton barbarian i was having trouble so ty pointed me at uh hero forge and he's like dude you can make anything you want and i'm like mm-hmm. all right let's check this out so yeah i kind of spent a little bit of time and crafted something up and uh yeah so i made a purchase did you then go like i did after i built a barbarian and build like seven others yeah a bunch of crazy stuff i didn't buy anything but i yeah i built like 20 different like crazy models they have so much like it's so cool Uh, i'm i'm pretty jazzed about that modern uh fantasy um western what like historical futuristic like anything it's really it's it's pretty crazy and then the standard print and ship is like 20 bucks Mm. and then there's better quality ones Mm. that are like 30 but um as and you can, do, as, you can do bronze. Mm-hmm. You can do the yeah. metallics, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Is it just characters? Or are there heroes or monsters and stuff, too? Or um, It's pretty mm-hmm. limited to like what would be a, a character, like player character. Now, there's some monstrous races, like horns and different things. But like no, skeletons like, and whatever. No, like, dragons or huge minotaurs or... Frost giants. Frost giants, yeah. Kind of limited. <clears throat> but, yeah, Hero Forge is, is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um They've come a long way too. They've they've continued to up their quality and the the options um, as they go. So uh, you got to think. I'm imagining it's printed. I don't know how they're casting to to do a unique model like that. I think they're three like D printing the process. It's got to be three D. Yeah, it's got to be three D printed. printed but yeah. how do they do the the metal or like the premium? Um, they're again. They can three D print. They're probably using. Yeah, yeah, there's special printers that do yeah, like yeah, different. Yeah, 3D, oh, they're wow. probably using a 3D printer of some That's kind. Awesome. And I don't know if they're using, um, they might be doing like resin, a resin printer for the normal plastic dudes um, rather than a whatever, than the PLA kind of mm-hmm. thing. Okay. And I have the layer one that's more See, the one. See, I, I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, oh, you man. use like, again, we can have a, a show on 3D <laughs> print. 
but that's where the actually like it's more of a chemical reaction of a resin and then the laser actually hardens the resin wow and then you sometimes you have to pull them out and you throw them in like a uv light to harden the oh stuff. like but you get stuff a lot world's more. uv resin yeah cool. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah it's the same kind of technique that you see from that kind of blown stuff. away yep. mind yeah. blown all right reading somebody's reading about bryce's former character Ooh. yeah tiamat's wrath the expanse number eight so we're this is the second to last book in the original Expanse series thing. It's all I'll say is amazing. Um, it's uh, I've had a good run of really good books that I've been reading lately. Uh, all, like, and I, I can't want to spoil it, but it really really good. Kicked you in the balls and the very first page, and then just continue. Like it's there's some definite um, high and low points in the book. Um, but they are definitely setting things up to um, for that final book to kind of close things out. It's interesting as I read this, um, how they've, I feel like they've kind of done and, and had the arc work better than, it's funny because I can't think of which one of them, you know, I can't remember the names, Ty and whatever, but they know, like they one of them actually worked with George R. R. Martin for a long time. I feel like he learned what George did and maybe what he did wrong in trying to like. He did nothing wrong. In trying to, <laughs> except for right, how do you bring it to the end? Um, He's working on it, <laughs> but I feel like they've executed. Like he's executed, and there's some interesting choices on how, and especially how it was funny. I almost compared it to the TV show, and and how they made some choices there, and because there's definitely like, you know, it, it expands. There's as much about internal politic conflict as there is from external forces conflict. Um, and how do you balance those? Whoa, as I move my mic, uh, how do you balance those two things in the story? And I think they did a really good job. So, I mean, highly recommend if you're not reading the Expanse series, you need, you need to read it. If you're like the whatever you want to call it, it's kind of space opery, but not really. It's really kind of action and stuff. And and I think their format just works really well in terms of how they lay out and they kind of you know tip off uh, trade off chapters between the two authors that are. James A. Corey, or S. A. Corey, so so highly recommended. Cool. Some someday I'll catch up. I'll get past yeah. book two that I've finished and read the next yes. six, or listen. Um, but right now I'm reading Sandman Slim. Uh, I'm yeah. just going to go through the whole series because Richard Cadry has me. Uh, it's it's popcorn fiction. It's not mm-hmm. like incredible, but it's just really good urban fantasy i'm on the third book aloha from hell uh so the whole concept is he's a guy that escaped from hell but now in book three he goes back for some reason so um really enjoying that and then critical role uh i just got through um the briarwood Mm. episodes of season one i'm not going to spoil anything even though it's like five years ago at this point (laughs) i'm i'm living like five years in the past on critical role i just finished the 37th episode of season one um so i'm doing like two or three per week now though so i'm i'm hoping to pick up pace i'll be current sometime in 2021 (laughs) uh, at my current rate of consumption of critical role so cool what an arc yeah that's cool and there's a book I will not recommend. Ooh! Um, but I threw it. Troy always recommends throwing books. the heat. No, it. I think the book is amazing. I just oh. cannot. I, it was a total palate cleanser, and I think I might. I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but um, this is how you lose the time war. It's it's. 
totally different. It's way out there. It was a nice palate cleanser for me. I loved it. I won't recommend it to anybody else. I'll just say you might want to. You might want to stumble. You might take a peek. You'll know if you like it or not. But that's it. What? <laughs> I broke tie. That's it. <laughs> so yeah, this, I love this, this book. Cake is don't de- read it. Yeah, this cake is delicious. <laughs> don't eat any of it. No, I. Well, see, that's maybe I'll get people in, enticed that way. Like, you know, <laughs> I what I'm, I'm it will not be for all people. That's I was sure that it will not. But I thought it's it was, like it was this weird. beer. Yes, it's not for everyone. Not for everyone. But it's right. delicious. And yep. we've come full circle. Uh, that's our main uh, discussion <laughs> about reading. We're we're gonna take a break. We're gonna gather ourselves, uh, think about something that we really love, but we want no one else to experience, and come back and talk about Gen Con 2019. Woo! Welcome back from the break. We have fresh beers, whiskeys, waters, sodas, Captain Conway's empty cups but we're back to talk about gen con 2019 i think it's gen con 52 i believe so yeah probably it checks out i hope math hard um but what we're gonna do we're gonna talk about the games we played uh this could be you know after hours uh in the underneath the the train tracks where we played most of our evening Mm -hmm. games uh (laughs) this could be some of the stuff we played potentially demoed We'll also talk about some things we saw, and and the played and demo is going to get a little convoluted. We're going to talk about everything that we we definitely sat down at a table or stood near a table and tried out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So um, then we will talk about some of our uh, loot piles uh, from Gen Con, what we brought home. In some cases, it was a lot of stuff. I Um, I haven't even looked at it yet. Oh boy! Uh, and then we'll we'll finish up with just a, a couple of what were our personal highlights um, from the time in Indianapolis for Gen Con. Uh, so let's do it. Played. We um we played a game that I picked up uh, from Renegade Game Studios called Icarus, a collaborative storytelling game. We are actually going to talk about it in our play it or slay it review. So we will withhold. Um, much description and, and commentary from this part and talk about it a little bit more uh, as, as we try to see what we think about Play It or Slay It and get Bryce's opinion as well. Um, another game that got played, I think this was after Troy had left us for the evening. Yep. Or a night he didn't partake. I, I forget which. No, I left. I left. Okay. You guys brought worked this out after. Uh, so I brought along my copy of the game Root from Later Games. L-E-D-E-R, Later. Um, it is a, a board game set in a woodland realm in which different factions of animal life are vying for control. So you have the Marquis de Cat. Uh, so the cats, they have... A very aggro military style, uh, lots of bodies, and then you have the um, the claw or the airy, yeah, yeah, um, a group of predatory birds that have. Um, and what is unique about root is each faction has a asymmetric way of play, so different than the others to get to their victory conditions and, and win. Um, uh, so after the airy, you then have the. Um, the woodland alliance basically they're 
they're the lower animals, the mice, the squirrels, you know, the others that band together to try to fight off the, uh, the big scary birds and big scary cats. And then if you're playing with four players, there's a fourth um, faction, the Vagabond, which is a, um, I believe it's a fox, a gray fox or wolf type character that acts as a lone hero, kind of playing each side against uh, themselves, completing quests um, in, in a, a very different way from the other three factions. Um, and then you're trying to get, it's, it's, you know, get to the end of the victory point track, be the first to 30 points. Um, and each, each group has a very different way of getting there. Um, I enjoyed Root. I'm looking forward to playing it. I think there's a lot of depth to it. Um, not knowing the rules, it, it did, uh, it started pretty clunky, but once you understood the turn order, it started to play, um, kind of plays itself. The player boards are very clear and very good at telling you what to do. Symbols on the board lineup. Josh, what, what were your thoughts on Root? Yeah, I mean, uh, since it is uh, kind of an asymmetrical game, um, I thought it was very smart of them to have the... Um, basically, they kind of lay out the first two turns in a, in a brand new game. So, uh, and you don't have to play that way, but... If you're new to the game, they they kind of give you yeah. They tell you card draw like yeah. Have these cards rather than draw randomly from the yeah. deck. Take these actions. Uh, right. Move here. Start here. Yeah, it just shows you how e- <laughs> and, and 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 that's for each faction. So you you learn how your faction plays the first two turns, and then they kind of go now go ahead. You know, starting turn three, you have you're kind of all set up, and I think they pretty well balance it. So like yeah. nobody's like way ahead or anything. Um, but I thought that was very smart of them, uh, for, for newer players to play. Cause yeah, it's, it can be a little tedious at the beginning to try to figure out how this game plays. And I think if I played it again and I was a different faction, that might be helpful too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to, to start, um, you know, with kind of that, uh, entry level, um, you know, starting board, I guess, um, but yeah, it, it's um, I, I guess I'm not sure I've played a game where you know each each side plays completely different, right? Uh, their their win condition is completely different, um, and and even the the turn is completely different. Um, it's it's very interesting, and and I I'm just envisioning how much time and effort went into trying to balance that game, right? Mm-hmm. Like. It must have been incredible. So I, it, very well done, and the artwork is great. And um, yeah, I had a, I had a blast playing him. And, and this is the same company that did Vast, right? Yeah, which so, is also asymmetrical. And, right? and people have said this took some of the clunkiness of Vast yeah. and refined some elements. It, it's entirely different, but mm-hmm. it's almost like they learned how to make it better, yeah. and then did it and. The, the other thing is the animals that are just like, so I, I reference, <laughs> we had a discuss, discussion in, in Discord about Redwall, Redwall mm. recently, those novels and the builders, you know, yeah, the, yeah. where animals are at war. And uh, it, it looks very, like, kid-friendly. This could be a cute woodland game. <laughs> and then you're playing, and it's, it's all-out warfare yeah. and violence and cutthroat. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's a game that I definitely want to play each faction 
uh, before I try another faction again because um, because the turns are so different and actions available are so different, you really don't know what other people are capable of, and that makes it very hard. Like our experience playing with Paul, Josh started to run away with it. We're like, how do we? Mm-hmm. It was quick too. It was like five turns in, mm-hmm. and Josh was like two turns away from winning. And had no clue how he got there, like how his <laughs> faction works. So I'm like, I don't even know how to stop you. Yeah. It's two in the morning. And <laughs> and then I was like, there is a really easy way to stop this faction. And I'm like, okay, this is what you guys got to do. And they were like, oh, right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So then we gang beat Josh. Paul and I like <laughs> shut him down completely, like reset him. Mm-hmm. But you don't lose the victory points too badly. So you were still well, yeah. up. It was like, if we don't put the pressure on, yep. it's over. Yep. But then Paul who's able to bring guys back and have weight of bodies was able to, to get there quickly okay. as well because I helped him. And then like I was left in the, in the dark because mm-hmm. my faction, you really, you can't like yours was sort of a slow you to, grow. You need to build slowly uh-huh. and keep people in check here and there. You can't go too heavy one way. Um, so it was, it was really interesting. It's, it's, it's a good. really and, yeah, I've head heard, scratcher of a game. And I've heard really, I've heard really good things about it, but also, all the things you talk about, like the asymmetrical things that make it cool. Also, I think you, not that I, I left because I had things to do, not, but also I'm, I'm kind of torn. Like, do I want to invest that much brain energy into like figuring, like you said, like figuring out, it's not just figuring out your faction. I also have to kind of know how your faction works so I yeah. can figure out how I'm going to beat you. Right. And so, but it feels like it's a game you could invest. Like if you're going to like, Hey, we're going to really play root and play it a few times kind of you know in it's mm-hmm. in, in, in succession not necessarily back to back but you know over the next couple of weeks you play it a few times it feels like that's how you get your kind of money out of it or that's yeah I, that you, it really probably shines in that i would agree i think I, it might be hard to it's a game you pull off your shelf every six months it probably doesn't quite have the same it's certainly not a game i recommend you just play one time yeah. mm-hmm. um i don't think the play experience especially if it's everybody's first time um is that great? Like it's a good game and I enjoyed it, but the play experience, like enjoyment factor is going to come from games two, three, four, five. Yeah. And, and everybody um, playing two, yeah. three, four yeah. times. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause it's, it's another one where if you're the only person that's played, you're going to smoke somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, right. it, it has that feel where if you're not on the same or close yeah. to the same level, like of exposure to it, you're going to yeah. just, it's going to be no fun. Yep. Absolutely. So that's root. <clears throat> that's root. Uh, we also played reef, another four-letter uh, word <laughs> starting with R. Um, we went the the nature uh, nature yeah. route. Um, reef. I know we've talked about it last year's Gen Con episode where I picked it up. Um, you know, you're you're matching, you're collecting colored pieces, pieces to right. build a coral reef, reef with yeah. cards that you're playing and then scoring points based on how you've set up your your pieces on your board so it's not really set collection mm-hmm. but it's a um, spatial awareness uh, game with um, action selection via cards mm-hmm. but we had some fun that yep. um, that's a quick play you it's know, quick play. It's, 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 yeah and again i think it's fun it's in that you know, it's in that light light to mid kind of range because it's fun just in terms of definitely some strategy to it and kind of how do you when it always is like when do i play for the card that i'm have in my hand but i need the pieces and i just think there's some cool interaction there that mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's a cool not quite a filler right i mean it's kind of a filler but not quite it feels a little heavier than a filler probably mm-hmm. yeah more strategy yeah. and more choice um than your standard playing 15 minutes but it it's quick and yeah. it's um accessible 
Mm-hmm. And again, this is one that I think is going to stay on the shelf and it's going to be stuff that gets pulled out every once in a while when yeah. you need that. Yeah, hey, let's hear something kind of in that light range and play for, because what, what is it? Maybe 30 minute game, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe a little yeah, more. 30, yeah, 30, 30 to an hour. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then uh, on the um, vendor hall floor, uh, this is where play gets into demo, demo gets into play. <laughs> um, they had a couple of tables set up with the starter box at the Games Workshop booth for Warcry. Uh, Steve Wren was standing over there, and I brought Josh up. I'm like, "Hey, come on, we're gonna go. You're gonna go demo, demo Warcry." I was like, "Absolutely, let's do this." <laughs> so Steve Wren from the community team was running the demo, which was fun just to talk to Steve. Um, he's a really great hobbyist, and he's a very active member of the community. He's the events manager for Games Workshop, so any of the tournaments at Warhammer World and stuff. He's he's the guy doing that, um, but I I've talked about Warcry a lot. Josh, I want to hear your thoughts uh, from the the first play. Granted, it was you know grab three models that look cool, put them down, <laughs> no real scenario or any of the depth, just push stuff forward and fight. And time maybe let me win. So we'll just start what? off with that because he wanted to suck me in. <laughs> I'm, Which, I may have picked weaker troops yeah. so that Josh yeah. could get the full experience of like slaughter and yeah. work, right? I honestly didn't realize like different point values and different... So I, I grabbed like three models and I think one of them was like the beefiest one and, and, and Ty was like, oh, let me just pick these three. You, you outpointed yeah. me by about 200 points. Yeah, right. It was... it was and Not knowing it, so fair, fair warning. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely... AOS skirmish, um, and I mean it has the AOS feel, but it's not, you know, as as chewy as AOS. You know, it's, it, it plays quick and uh, it's very streamlined, and um, you know the rules are fairly uh, they make sense. You know, the the cards have everything on them. I, I don't know. I thought it was really great. Um, it's not overly clunky, but it's not like. A super simple game either you know like it's it's got that nice balance to a skirmish game um and and yeah it, it played fairly quick i mean we only had three models right so, so but um yeah the different interactions with characters and things um i thought was really neat um and then yeah the terrain just looks amazing i mean that, you know everybody yeah. says awesome things about the train train was awesome they you know they painted yeah. them up really nice and um, having those different levels uh, and the rules, you know, based on levels is cool. So, like, I, I ran my guy, climbed him up, and just so I could jump off. Yeah. Because like, yeah. the ability to play in, in three yeah. dimensions is, is pretty fun. Yeah. Ty jumped off yeah. and, like, shanked one of my guys, and then I jumped off and shanked his guy. Yeah, it was it was kind of cool. So, you know, different cinematic things like that going on. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I can see how this could be a, a really fun game, and we could... Um, you know, have a, a game night some night at the the, the BOD yeah. playing Warcry. So Troy, you said you had some questions about Warcry. Sure. So my is there any shooting or is it all melee guys? Uh, there is shooting. Okay. Yeah, so shooting. there are ranged profiles and melee profiles uh, depending on the character, or some with reach, some mm-hmm. without. So mm-hmm. different warbands right, so. have different accessibility to say throwing a harpoon or, or like the, whips yeah whips that reach four yeah. inches or three inches vanguard hunters so the stormcast have the um long strike raptor mm-hmm. crossbow which is like 22 inch range in Warcry. Mm-hmm. so reach across the whole board um so yeah there is 
And like the Necromancer for Legions of Nagash has a, a three inch minimum to like 12 inch whatever range. So like some of the range stuff can't shoot in close. You'd have to use oh, your melee yeah, profile. Um, so there's there is both melee and range. And then my other question is, you kind of said with your legends or legions and the gash guys. So there's our cards for the existing factions. Are not, those do, not all but nine? Nine of them, because so, I'm assuming they need. You they need only pick the ones that actually later. worked right. That kind of work in that kind of set. Of well, I. So the Varenspire used to be a realm. That's where it's set, <laughs> controlled by order. Yes. Um, it's now controlled by Arcanes, Legions, and Chaos. Um, but because Order had been there, there's an opening in the lore for any of the Order factions. Now, they started with nine of them, Daughters of Cain, Idunith Deepkin, um, Legions, Flesh Eaters. Then you have Gloomspite, uh, Gets, the Goblins. You have Iron Jaws. You have Savage Orcs, Legions of Nagash. I think I said already. Yeah. but Stormcast. And Stormcast. Then you also have the six current uh, Chaos Warbands with two more coming that they have in the rule book, like images and a description of, but we haven't seen models. And then you would, they've also released train sets, so you have like the Storm Vaults and the, the Sigmarite Mausoleum with train cards and deployment cards. So they're releasing stuff, and it makes me believe they'll do other factions um, in the future. So, and part of my question is, do we, do you think the game, is it just as good if you play with the regular AOS factions, or do you think it's like really tailored to like play with the chaos war bands that it kind of comes in the core and the other ones, or can't you really tell yet? I, I mean, not a hundred percent. I, I had a fun play experience. So legions, I played legions of Nagash, um, and they have a mechanic where, so you, you're rolling a pool of dice in Warcry for initiative, and then doubles, triples, and quads can be used to trigger special abilities. You're rolling six dice and then perhaps a wild, or each turn you build up if you don't use your wild dice, so you might be rolling as many as nine dice in turn three um, to make those pairs, triples, and quads. Okay. Legions have a triples ability where you bring a dead um, model back within three inches of your necromancer, and the value on that dice. So if you roll triple sixes, so many wounds they heal, so they come back out that model, and that's an ability. So there was that um, that felt very death, you know, bringing that recursion, bringing troops mm-hmm. back. Um, the new cast warbands have some unique uh, things. I mean, Corvus Cabal mm-hmm. has a guy that can fly and do damage if he um, if he travels so much vertically distance he increases his damage output um and there's elements of that the eels in the deepkin have a tremendous movement ability um i mean you know zipping all over the the board hitting very hard so they it feels like they've captured elements of the faction and also created new um unique feel to the the new warbands Cool. Yeah, I just want to make sure, like, if somebody, because an easy way in is like, hey, I have these guys already. I buy the cards and I play. Oh, yeah. But you want to make sure that, like, is it seems like they put enough thought in it. Like, you should be. It sounds like you're gonna get the same kind of experience as you would as if you like bought a new Chaos Warband, and maybe you still want to buy a Chaos Warband, but it'd be different. Like, I would, I'd be kind of sad. Like, if like 
he's like, oh, I'm just going to use whatever, you know, some of my Stormcast guys and maybe they're not great because they didn't make it for that. And so that would kind of turn somebody off from the experience. But it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like they put enough energy into it. Like every, every faction feels like it fits and um, and whether you're kind and, of... And the, the way they've pointed those factions makes sense. So like a Iron Jaws Brute Boss is going to cost you 240 points. You play with a 1,000. Whereas like a skeleton from Legions of Nagash might be 60, 70 points. So you're you're getting, you know, more models, but it has that whatever three to twenty that you play with yeah. at a given time. So you can't have forty low yeah. pointed yeah. models <laughs> on one side. And um yeah. The the other thing that we didn't really talk about is the actual game deployment is done in three groups. You pick a a spear, a shield, mm-hmm. and a dagger, and you split your force into three mm-hmm. groups. Then you draw a random deployment card that tells you where your spear deploys, what turn your shield deploys. So cool. you're choosing before knowing how you yeah. deploy, how to split your force. So you have to be very, very aware mm-hmm. that you might be deploying your one guy that you singled yeah. out as your spear <laughs> by himself for the whole oh. first turn or first two turns, you know. So there's that yeah, element. Cool. Um yeah, Warcry. The, in the starter box is insane. The value um, in that box and the terrain you get. You get two full warbands, all the terrain, the rules, the dice, the tokens. Um, retail's like 170 but if you're paying full retail, you're doing it wrong. So, But it's still probably a deal at 170 Yeah. You're still oh, yeah. making it. <laughs> all right. Um, we did sit down with Matt and Barry uh, one night, and we played... From AEG, uh, Curios, you are archaeologists exploring um, ancient ruins. Kind of a interesting game. You're mm-hmm. assigning your your workers to try to score victory points with limited information sure. available to you. You have two cards that show you values for one of the monuments, and then one is face up. I think for each of the monuments, and it's one, three, five, and mm-hmm. seven. And you're placing guys trying to get the most points by securing the most gems and then scoring. So played incredibly fast. Yeah, I, I mean, but it, it was interesting, right? Because it's that the limited information, trying to figure out where where should be playing your people, and you you know something, you know you have a piece of information nobody else has, and mm-hmm. then I liked where then there was the option to like show more cards or not. <laughs> yeah, show you more could cards get an extra some. piece if you showed yeah. a card. Yeah, which isn't because it means okay. I'm giving up a secret that I only know, but I'm getting more. So yeah, it, for for as simple I get, yeah, as simple it was, there was a lot of kind of kind of cool, interesting choices for a, whatever it was, twelve minute game or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else did we play? Orbis yep. that got out. I think like the first night we just played Orbis quick. Um, I think you both said you hadn't played or didn't mm-hmm. remember playing yep. or yep. never played. I, but um, Orbis is you're building a universe to please a god, choosing a tile from a nine common shared tiles that spread worshippers out as you take them and you pay for them okay. with sacrificing worshippers. I think it, it feels very similar to Splendor um, with some variations and differences because you're building your pyramid, so you're closing every round, you're closing out options and limiting what you can do in the future which splendor doesn't have splendor you can always just go as wide as you want yeah i I 
I really like this is probably one of my of, of the newer newer games I played. I, this was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed it. Um, even though it had a, it has a little bit of uh, colorblind uh, challenges <laughs> to it. Um, I probably couldn't play it by myself. I need I need Josh there with me. To, is that red or green? Is that red or green? Yeah. Um, as you're trying to figure out what you need to to get to. Although, didn't you make a mistake? Yeah, didn't we get? Josh couldn't see the blue. Yeah, the blue. Was well, like, it was it was the blue in the little tiny squares. He, he thought the blue it was, in the green. He thought it was green. Yeah, the blue and the green and the little like tiny squares dummy. across I like the table. I can see we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear ah, excuses. Ah. But Orbis, Orbis, it, it was, was good. A fun that one. Was I liked fun. it. Yeah, and it was. I think I, not. I think we played that on. I think that was Friday because Paul was there. I think Paul played with us too. Yeah, I think that was before you guys played Root. I think that's what we played. Right? Yep, sounds right. But that makes it's all a blur to yep. me. <laughs> June kind of yeah, It's only by like who was if I can remember who was there. Kind of tells me what night it was. All right, then we did have a chance to play a role-playing game together, a ticketed event, um, and that was Outbreak Undead. I am affectionately calling this experience the Zombie Railroad, um, (laughs) because even when we said we were going to do something different, we didn't get a choice to, and we just ended up in a place that we didn't choose to go to. Which I thought was a unique way of GMing. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, it was set up as a. I think it was set up as an introductory game or something else like yeah, that. Yeah, it felt, but still, it felt yeah, introductory. Yeah. Um, it didn't have to be though, right? No, because I mean, we uh, everybody around all the players, we were all very experienced. So, yeah, but it, I mean, he, he the, tried, the guy, right? the guy tried hard, um, yeah. and we we created fun. Yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. In running jokes, I think I said I'm going to get the boat ready at one point when yep. I didn't want to yep. be there anymore. And <laughs> Troy was the the nurse that never, yep. don't never get fought. blood on yourself. <laughs> don't get blood on you. Uh, and then, as all outbreak undead scenarios should end, one guy is surviving and he puts a bullet in his head. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit. Yeah, there was. It was. Uh, it was a version of Icarus in in. Uh, Mini. So. Yeah, we slept in the cellar. Yet I yeah. didn't remember saying we sleep in the cellar. So, nope. And I was infected like the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, slow, slowly becoming slowly, infected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he kept trying to fake me out and pretend he was a zombie. <clears throat> and he go, "Hey, Tommy, um, can I see that?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, Josh." Yeah, that's good. But it was good. Yeah, we. It was a good group around the table too. Another couple ended up playing with us. So. Mm-hmm. All right. I think it's all you from here, Troy. All right. On Saturday uh, evening, uh, I ended up getting a kill team game in uh, with Ralph, Ralph Cordero. Um, he's, uh, I kind of met him through kind of the independent characters forums or whatever. It was kind of like, hey, who's all going to Gen Con? And we were like, we're going to Gen Con. Hey, do we want to get a, uh, try and get a kill team game in or something? So there was a couple guys. This is the one that actually, we tried to get a couple of them together. This is, this one we actually got together. So, um, and he has a podcast, uh, Dig and Dent, and uh, with another guy, I think uh, Charlie, that uh, they do kind of board game gaming stuff um, and miniature. He said it's kind of funny, like they because they play miniature game too. Sometimes it morphs into miniature games a, a lot on their podcast too. So, um, but we got I, I hadn't played Kill Team uh, in a while. Uh, I brought uh, Gene Steeler Cult. He had some Necron guys. Uh, it was uh, I threw some terrain again. It was I had everything to play in one little battle phone box that they brought along we actually found so we just played in kind of hall a um where there was a lot of the that um cincinnati arsenal group does all that that's where like the aos tournament was the 40k tournament space hulk was all over there um and they had plenty of open tables kind of 
especially in, in, towards the evening. So we just grabbed a table and a play had a good chat. I mean, we talked probably as much as we played. <laughs> uh, he ended up sneaking it out. I think I actually ended up winning. I had the, um, the victory points, but he actually, he had killed my little gene sealer cult guys do not stay alive very long. Um, but my gene sealers and my, um, Aberrant did all out all the work, but he kind of won on, on, uh, Kill, kill points because he had killed many more guys. So, so it was fun. It was good to, good to meet him, good to chat, uh, and good to get a little bit of a, a, a miniature game in at, at Gen Con. So that was cool. Um, the I did, and nobody would come with me. I think you missed out, Josh. You were going to come. You didn't join <laughs> me for... Because uh, I did a lot of RPGs. I did three RPG events um, besides Outbreak Undead. This one was on Saturday morning, I think. Uh, Millennium's End. And so I think I had mentioned this previous that I was excited that I found this event. Um, and it ended up being even cooler than I thought it was going to be. Um, so Millennium's End is modern day, very tactical um, role playing game. You can almost call it, uh, you know, tactical kind of simulation. Um, it was basically released in 93. 93, idea of Millennium's End, the actual took place in 1999. This scenario, we just played it in kind of modern day. Um, you're basically mercenaries, kind of special ops kind of guys that come in and, and do stuff. Um, in this scenario, I think it was standoff at the cafe. It was kind of a typical hostage situation in a small town, Midwest town. Uh, you had some kind of terrorist cell who had taken hostages. They had called the local three police because you were in some ho-dunk little town. Um, and then kind of, we show up, we, there was five of us that kind of showed up, um, as the group. And we just kind of like, Hey, you, you know, you get, we're in charge and, uh, and who knows what we, we just make up with whatever agency we happen to be from. Right. That was, that was kind of the background. Um, the real cool thing. So the GM was kind of a 25 career, um, police officer from Baltimore. Uh, I, I should, I'll look up his name. I can't remember his name. Um, so he brought just all this real world experience to the GMing, right? He, he knows firearms, he knows tactics. He basically teaches high risk entry, um, courses that he's done, uh, through that. So he, he's bringing all that there. Um, he actually gave us a, I have a, a picture. He actually gave us a handout of hostage negotiation 101 from an actual FBI hostage negotiator that he had taken a class with. So it, this was just like the amount of depth that he brought to this game. It was a blast. And he, he had originally worked for, done demos for Millennium Zen back in the 90s <laughs> when uh, when uh, Charles Ryan had released the game. And that's how he kind of got into it. And I'd kind of forgotten that, that that game really did draw a lot of law enforcement, uh, veterans, people who kind of did that in their real life. And then they kind of found this role-playing game that let them kind of still play these kind of you know, almost, you know, super scenarios in terms of being mercenary. Cause the whole idea is mercenaries and modern day firearms and fighting the terrorists and, and doing all kinds of stuff like that. So, uh, and it was fun even around the table. I mean, it was me, uh, I had one and two guys from the Milwaukee area, one guy from, uh, army vet from, uh, I think he was from Cudahy or something else like that. Uh, and then a Navy vet, uh, who's also from, I think was from South Milwaukee kind of Racine area. Uh, also at the table and then two other guys there to take it. So um, it was a blast. Yeah, it was uh, kind of exceeded my expectations again, because I, I want to say his name was Kevin, the 
the the guy that was running it just the way the way he brought the real world experience to it and and uh and again it was again it was whatever three hours of us kind of like building up like calling him on the phone and trying to you know recon where where do the terrorists have visualization how close can we get kind of setting it all up for kind of that last half hour where you know we basically breach the building shoot everybody and all that happens in you know basically i think this the rounds are like a second two seconds in um in millennium's end so once it was like bang right we the actual action part of it i mean we probably played over about a half hour to get through that last the, the breach scene but um but that was the kind of the climax of it and then right now and he had talked this was actually a beginning scenario for a longer campaign that he had done because there was it was kind of a little bit of a diehard situation where the hostage situation was actually a distraction for a robbery that was going on at a place next door. And, and we had actually, those, as we were those, doing the recon. Those are the best. Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. <laughs> so it was a little spinning because you're in the middle of Hodunk, wherever, Midwest. and with that. So it was kind of interesting because as we were exploring, kind of three-hour buildup and you're reconning, we did find, you're like, you'd find little things that just didn't make quite make sense. And you're, so we were kind of like, all right, there's something else going on here. Um, as you we were getting as you we were getting ready, but in the end, the real goal was hey, save the hostages and and secure the situation. So, um, so it's cool. Yeah, I really worth. Uh, I'm glad I, I didn't now have to look. And it's one of those guys again. If I can find the uh, him GMing again, I think I would definitely jump in and, and see that. So cool. Then did after you played Millennium's End, did you head on over to the Vintage Arcade or is yep. this Josh? Oh, no, this, this is right. me. Yeah, I think that was just late. What were we doing? Oh, because. Um, we'll get to it. Yeah, so there was a, an arcade room um, there. I mean, I think they, like Gen Con, we, we talked about there's computer gaming and everything else. It wasn't quite as big, I think, as I'd seen in some of the past years, but there was a room that kind of had console gaming. There was also a room that just had vintage um, con, uh, arcade games and you can, for a bunch of generics. And I had a bunch of generics so I was going to blow on, on uh, Saturday night. So I think uh, between us eating and meeting up, I jumped in there. Uh, and they had a nice Tekken Five uh, <laughs> box that I'm like, and that's because I don't. Uh, and I'm like, all right, well, let's see what I got. I didn't play that in however many how many years, so I was kind of warming up. And then some, I don't know, thirty-ish whatever mom who like wanted her kid to go, who was go play behind her, jumps in next to me and like starts kind of like go oh, challenge me to play, right? And I'm playing Nina Williams, who I always play. And then, of course, she takes Nina Williams. And I'm like, that, what? That's, you can't do that. Like, what kind of, like, isn't there etiquette, right? This aggression will not stand. Right. It's gonna, so it's like, what so are you going to do? whoop her butt. Yeah. So I did. I beat her. <laughs> so I beat her at Nina Williams. Uh, Nina Williams on Nina Williams. I'm like, oh, you, you know. And then she's like, all right, she's going to try again. And she changed to some other character. And I can, proceeded to beat her again. And then. She be and then she was gonna and I'm like I'm just like well I guess she she at least was stubborn because then she went again so I think I beat her like three or four times, um, <laughs> and uh, and then I I had enough I said and I kind of said all right I'll leave you to practice now so, <laughs> but it was I, I was happy done. that my Tekken five skills are still sharp well, as ever yeah well intact, at, at least so. against the <laughs> yeah random 30 year old <laughs> right. mother <laughs> right. that uh that you you played against uh, yeah but she was All definitely right. determined i mean in the end i guess she won because she got me to leave the machine so <laughs> all right so how about how about we take it to the vendor hall floor where some of the game companies were demoing their stuff or, or doing different um 
non-ticketed events, non-after-hours gaming, but things we saw. I, I know I saw this one. Uh, that's first on our list. Yeah. The, the Marvel, the new miniatures game coming this fall um, from Atomic Mass Games, I think. Um who I'm not familiar with, but they were under. It looked like they were under the FFG the banner. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, But Marvel Crisis Protocol, uh, they had several city block type. Um, yeah, they had some really sets, nice yeah. boards that they had built yeah. for, to show it displays. Off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like one Spider-Man's underneath the overpass, and there's like the car falling through, and mm-hmm. it's all webbed up there mm-hmm. with him shooting yeah. the Hulk bursting through a brick wall. Um, all painted really nice and um, two scale buildings and cars yeah. and other stuff around. Mm-hmm. It looks like they they are going to be selling like a core box. They'll get you a few mm-hmm. of the heroes and what you need to play. And then each hero, I think the MSRP listed for like the models was twenty to twenty five dollars mm-hmm. for each one. Yep. And they look like they. Were, I assume they're going to be pre painted. Um, and probably, I don't know, like heroic 32, maybe 25, whatever. It seemed a little millimeter scale. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll be pre painted. Those looked, um, the detail on those looked painted by like someone doing a, a, like the the shading on the Hulk and everything. I I took some pictures and. Um, maybe that's what they'll do, but they they looked like they had yeah. The, def, the stuff there on. looked a little better than I'd agree, but I'd, I'd be surprised. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I didn't dig into it and and ask a lot of questions or play any. Uh, uh, I kind of stood behind some people that were playing. I mean, that yeah. looks like you get a card or something for each hero, and it kind of tells you what they do. But I didn't. I didn't go super deep mostly because i was just like these miniatures are really cool, and you've sold me on it. So I don't, <laughs> I don't need to know how it plays, right? <laughs> We can't talk about the next one. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, so the other thing is uh, Space Cowboys, I believe, uh, was demoing Time Stories 2 or their second version or whatever they're calling it. And that's all you can say. And that's all you can say. No, they had a demo-only adventure box that they were do- doing there. Um, it was interesting. I kind of sat down. I kind of looked over it, and then on Sunday, I just kind of sat down. sat in on a demo. I didn't actually play, but I sat there for about... Five or ten minutes of as a, uh, a father and a son were kind of going through it. So it was interesting. Like they basically made it so the game is going to be. I think I've talked to this before. It's going to be standalone. You don't need the core set anymore. Like each game that you get of Time Stories is going to have everything you need. I think what they've done is they've changed a few mechanics um, in terms of like you don't have the. It didn't seem like you had the time counter that's counting down anymore. Uh, it's more like you're spending, they have like little gems or tokens that kind of are spending time or whatever that is, some kind of mechanic that when then when you run out of that and you have to refresh that, that kind of was the similar to what you had where you'd run out of time and have to kind of reset. Um, and a, lot, a few more, it looks like a lot more cards rather than just having one deck that you kind of work through. It seems like there there is still some locations and uh couple decks and then there's again item decks and then there was some other deck that kind of had other things you could discover that were more character and it seemed like your characters had more features to them like it, it also sounds like it's progressive in that your characters can yeah. be outfitted specifically for the mission yeah. or gain gear that sticks with them so there there seemed yeah. to be some element of that whereas current time stories yeah. every time you go in you're it's yeah. like you're Reset. starting over yeah. you're yeah. different 
Yeah. Group. So there, yeah, there's some idea of having stuff there. So it'll be interesting. It was funny. Like, again, Mike Halls and I had a little conversation. Like, he's actually not, I don't want to be tainted until we probably play it once, but he was like, eh, I don't know. Like, I don't, I understand why they made the changes. I don't know if they're really, are they changes for the better or not? Or are they just kind of different? Like, that, I mean, because one of the cool things I think, like, to just initially, two of the things that I see missing, or like, if you talk about like having that time counter countdown was one of the big mechanics that just created tension and decisions and things in the game. It'd be interesting to see how, are they recreating that with these new mechanics? Um, and the same thing with the characters, the fact that like the cool thing was when you were jumping into these characters, it felt like you were jumping into them because you, you got what you got with them, right? You weren't like building up and finding things. So, um, so I don't, I, it'll be interesting to see if we, do we stick with it? Do we think it, the changes are for the better and still create that kind of that, that really kind of cool storytelling that the original time stories did. But, but I, and I don't know, I don't have any data. I don't remember when they said it actually is releasing, but. Because, like I said, what they had there was not like that first set. It was a de- which because you don't want to spoil it. So they did have like a special scenario that I think it was just a demo scenario mm-hmm. for for Gen Con. The next thing I saw, we talked about Zombicide Two coming, but what I got when I was at the Simon booth is all of a sudden I stumbled on that they were playing Zombicide Black Plague, and basically what I saw was the Hagglethorn Hollow Train which I think I've talked about before, the guys down in New Zealand did. And uh, so they had that, which is the cool houses and 3D multi-level dungeon things. They're playing Zombicide Black Plague on that. And then they had a little handout or a sign there that basically says, hey, we're going to do kind of a special rule set so that you can do this. So they're actually doing like a, a some kind of a, combination or in partnership with the Hagglethorn Hollow guys to do You know it, what so. they didn't have though for a yeah. demo that they should have had was painted miniatures. Oh again, I <laughs> yes, you've heard cool me. Cool terrain. Looks awesome. Plain gray. Yeah, none of it. None of it. I mean they were demoing yeah, like, demoing Zombicide uh Invader, any of their Simon games that they don't yeah. like how do you not have a I don't yeah, I don't know. It's like, is it a, a, a conscious marketing decision? Like, hey, we're going to show you what you get out of the box. But I don't, I just don't understand. Like, why would you not have at least one? I can understand maybe like of the multiple tables, like some of them wouldn't have it. But like the maybe one that, that was that. on the Hagglethorn Hollow stuff, like why would you not have a painted set? Like, right. That, but I don't know. I think we were talking like I don't. Does Simon not, not even have studio painters? Like, like they must not. <laughs> Somebody want to elaborate this question? So this was, I think we were having this as we were looking all around, around. Well, I think it started because her starts was not at Gen Con. Yep. Um, and then there's kind of the proliferation of 3D printed terrain everywhere. And as more and more. Uh, and then I did walk by and then Dwarven Forge does have a really nice, um, nice booth. And they had some really kind of cool terrain sets there. But you kind of look at it and you're like, are people really going to invest in Dwarven Forge anymore or when they can kind of print their own mm-hmm. um, and get and have more flexibility and stuff like that? I don't know. It it, it felt like, is this going to be the last time you see Dwarven Forge? Do they have, I don't know. It feels like there's, there's not going to be a, I can, that market cannot be growing, I feel like, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. It's specifically Dwarven Forge. I don't, I don't know. Um, 
maybe her starts too. Um, yeah. It's a good question. That's a good question. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do what I did when we were talking about um, this the first time mm-hmm. we were on the patio at Cloud Dog and I zoned out on my phone mm-hmm. and didn't really listen and then asked the question <laughs> that may have already been answered. I did the same thing just now. Um, so Dwarven Forge is going to continue to exist because they are a boutique option. The, the pre-painted option that you can buy for the people that don't want to paint and don't want to do that until 3D printing offers a solution that is full color, Dwarven Forge is going to exist as that boutique priced out of 3D printing mm-hmm. like people can go after. A company like Her Starts, probably not um, because 3D printing is making it more accessible uh, for less work of your own to make something. Mm-hmm that is also going to need painting if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. That's that's my take. 3D printing will change some of it, not all. Maybe. I think so. I, th- I mean, I'm, I think Dorian Porch is get, like, they have the niche. I, agree. I think they're going to stick mm-hmm. on for a while yet, but it'll be interesting to see if they... I mean, like, stream, streamers are using them. Wizards, D&D, when they do yep. stuff, like the big stage shows, yeah. Acquisitions Inc., whatever. Yep. Like, that guy, Stephen... Picorni or yep. Pacorni, yep. whatever his name is, he's he's super wealthy. I mean, yep. he's he was on some Netflix show. He's like, oh, I don't think he's super wealthy. I think he is. Mm. I think <laughs> he does well. well. I think he does well. Um, yeah, I don't know that. Or he's may, pretending well. Yeah. But they're they're making a ton right. of money on their Kickstarters for what yep. is probably right. not a very expensive model, and he's nailed the Kickstarter right. method to have your production mm. cost be yep. null, and then it's all profit. But I just wonder, like, are they getting, because you look at, like, you talked about the rampage terrain, which you could, there was a pre-printed option there, like, right? Like, there's more, there'd be more competition in the, in that field, too, so interesting. But again, their booth looked gorgeous as you walked by. That was one thing, that's what kind of made me think about this, too, because you walked by and, like, they had some really, their stuff is just so cool, and they had it lit up, and LEDs, and they were running games on, they were running games on it with Everything was painted and looked really pretty. Simon, oh no, <laughs> oh, so cool. So yeah, we'll see when the next few years how how those guys hold on. Somebody demo Kingdom Death. I didn't know. They no, were I did not demos. demo, but I walked by. Did you see the? This actually got me like Kingdom Death. I'm like, yeah, the miniature is really cool. The game itself is never like even interests me oh, at it's all. It's awesome. It, I just would never do it because you need to play it for 400 hours um, to. Yeah, to get through it. But then they, they had basically a 3D version of the board mm. with, and so I think, like, to me, like, you have these really cool models, and now you have them on this really cool board, and it had pillars, and... Uh, I think uh, I missed the board. Uh, and it was uh, it was amazing. And, I, and I so saw that, the models. I was looking through those. Josh stopped I, to take pictures of the models. Yeah. I think. I, I yep. totally missed the board. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kingdom Death, they, once again, boutique market, like... Mm-hmm. at four hundred dollars or whatever to buy the base game it's crazy um but it is uh it is certainly a good looking yeah yeah Troy's showing us a picture once again great radio great radio mm-hmm. um maybe we can get that one out there for for show notes or on the website mm-hmm. um, yeah they're gonna go up on the website so everyone can see it but yeah kingdom death uh interesting game a lot out there so I demoed the only deck builder that I like. 
ever. Mm. Um, because wait, this is the guy who made me buy Resident Evil. <laughs> I don't like Resident Evil. Nine though. years ago, I you guys played it all the time. You bought I played it. it. No. I played it and bought it. Yeah, and then was like, this kind of sucks because you have all these turns where you're doing nothing. <laughs> you know, I I've we're, I've also I've shit on we are I've shit on every deck builder <laughs> since. Well, I, I agree. I'm just going back. You yeah. remember we're Origins like 2010. Yeah, because it was Resident Evil. He runs over to me. You gotta find. You gotta buy this game. Look at yep. this amazing. All right. So the only deck builder that I like <laughs> now, now. Uh, from Osprey Games called Undaunted Normandy. Now, what was really cool about this is the deck building is how you're getting your troops. It's a World War II game about a U.S. Uh, rifle company in Normandy, and there's 12 scenarios you play through. But you have board tiles that have terrain and defense value, tokens that represent your rifle squads, your scout squads, and you're drawing cards from your deck to give them orders. And then as you attack the enemy, if you hit the enemy, you discard from that player's hand the card of that type, mm. then from their discard, then from their deck. So the more you mm. kill of like Rifle Squad B, eventually all of Rifle Squad B is dead. At that point, the token's taken off the board. Mm. You can put Fog of War into your opponent's deck. Fog of War cards don't do anything when you draw them. Yeah. So you're drawing a hand of four using one to set initiative, and the highest card value played sets who goes first. And those are going to be your commanders, your squad sergeants that let you do things if you want to go first. Um, or you bid low with like a Fog of War card, which is a one value, and you're probably going last. But then you play your three cards. Some of them will let you bolster your ranks, drawing from a supply to add to your deck different types. Um, inspire where you can do other things scouts can scout terrain and then you resolve combat with a 10 sided die each unit has a defensive value each tile has a defensive value you need to exceed equal or exceed the total of those on a 10 sided dice so you're maneuvering and there's um, you're scouting territory then trying to control territory to win the scenarios and it plays out on a, a board with tokens but the deck building is how you are um, moving, activating, shooting. So the the deck building is hidden underneath a, a tactical war game, which is That's super cool. cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Yeah, we're using the the deck. It's not deck building as itself. It's deck building as a mechanic in another game, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and the designer, his grandfather, fought in this rifle company in Normandy. So like inspired by the story of that unit, um, and the the missions, the scenarios you play through are what that. Uh, that military like company actually experienced in Normandy through through their you know their missions in World War II. Cool. So that's undaunted. Um, they only had fifty copies each day. I I didn't get a copy of the game. Um, I think it'll have a, a retail release this fall, and I'll I'll be picking it up. Um, really tight game from a, a rule standpoint. Yeah. The demo is super fun. I played some random guy. I sat down on Saturday and. <laughs> Played this yeah. older guy that was clearly a, like a historical type yeah. miniature war gamer, probably in his sixties. Um, I whooped him pretty bad, and uh, <laughs> but yeah, undaunted Normandy. All right, let's whip through purchases quickly. We yes. won't yeah. talk about each one, but we'll just say what we bought. Um, I nabbed a copy of Edge of Darkness with the expansions and the, the coins. 
which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also picked a Wingspan. Uh, I've heard a lot of buzz about it. We actually didn't get a chance to play it, but um, definitely a game I want to get on the table. Because, um, yeah, it sounds interesting. Um, and Ty and I, uh, just kind of random happenstance, uh, wandered past... Um, what is the name? Uh, Devere. Devere, yes. Thank you. Um, and we saw this game called Color Monster. And they actually have a... It's based on a book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pop-up book, which is really cool. Yeah, <laughs> read absolutely. It, read it to Landon this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, you kind of roll one through six, and you move to one of the emotion, you know, squares, and then uh, you talk about, you know, what makes you happy, what makes you sad, what makes the, you. The color monster doesn't know what feelings are, and he right. has all uh, of these emotions in him, and he doesn't know what they are. So as you move, you have to explain each of those to the color monster by, to Josh's uh-huh. point, talking about what may make you happy, what may make you sad. Yeah. And so then uh, if you you know do that, you pick up the little token and, and put it in. Uh, so then it's also a matching game after that. So on the backside of these little jars is that emotion. Mm-hmm. And so you put it in. If it doesn't match, then you got to find another yeah. one for that. Yeah, so, so it's like memory matching yeah, yeah. combined with getting kids to talk about you know what they're feeling kids i thought it was you guys talking about (laughs) and and there's some suggestions in in the rules of the game like how you can use this as teaching moments and like if Mm -hmm. if your kid isn't expressive you know about what they're feeling Mm -hmm. um that this is a tool to you know to work on some of those things to get them to um talk about what makes them mad or what makes them happy sad calm Mm -hmm. so and Aubrey really loves the book. She likes to see all, right. all the pop-ups coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I also uh, wandered past the uh, Battle Home folks. And uh, the I, I got an email before Gen Con about the Magnarack slide-out trays. And so they had them uh, yeah. on demo there, you know, and I checked it out. And I'm like, all right, well, 15% off at Gen Con. Yeah. Sign me up. Free shipping. Yeah. Right, yeah. So... Uh, yeah, it's a pre-order, so it's not going to be here uh, just yet. But that's right. You didn't want to haul them back for that exactly, anyway, so right? But they look really cool, um, and it's basically like kind of what we've been doing. You know, putting the tray on top, um, and then you know pulling yeah. it out. But you can do it with all of them, so it kind of neat. So yeah, I think this is going to be a huge like yeah. this kind of really like before. We were always like you're making it a little felt like a compromise with the Magnarack a little bit. Like oh yeah, it's cool, but it's kind of a pain if you're have little shelves and trying to get miniatures in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think you had told me about that and then I walked over there and also ordered a full yeah. <laughs> a set because you're like, this is, yeah, just an, you're I, awesome. I hold off because I feel like I've figured out the perfect setup where I have plenty of room and mm-hmm. I don't want to mess with it. But maybe someday I'll, I'll change yeah. my mind. But yeah. right now I've got my open top. I've got the big models underneath and the big space. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. fits, it fits everything great. I don't have to jostle and delicately. So, yep. Yeah, it's not for every army. Like, you know, it's for. No, I think mine will be perfect because myself enough, I have the big thing in the bottom and I don't need it there because I can reach it. But my little shelf that I have all the dryads on is a pain. But now it'll be like. Yep. So I just, I don't remember how I got it. I just got two or three, I think. Yeah. I feel like that's, like, I feel like I'm not going to have every shelf as a fallout, but it's like ones where they're a little closer together. That's where it's going to be. Yeah. You get a huge win. Three or four or something like that. Yeah. 
but uh, yeah, no, I, I thought that was a, a cool addition to to their line. Yep. I also might have bought a bunch of foam there too. But <laughs> <laughs> all right, I bought a new miniature game, Judgment. Talked about the resin models, but I bought the starter box, few heroes. I'm I'm jacked about this uh, games universe um, here in Brookfield. Started carrying this a few weeks before Gen Con. Uh, there's already a small community. They're going to be doing Judgment on like Monday or Tuesday nights, something like that. So um, I'm going to try to get out there. Mark and Isaiah, the Ram- Ramchecks, are, are bought in. So there's a few guys that are playing it now, uh, which was my one hold off at Adepticon. I didn't want to buy it and try to strong arm you guys mm-hmm. into trying it out sometime because um, <clears throat> interest interest felt a little low yeah. amongst the, uh, the peer group. So... Uh, but now that I know there's a, a community and it's accessible at a store, I bought the starter box and a handful of heroes. Um, and the models are, I've already yeah. talked about them in hobby. Just incredible. So cool looking. Um, picked up the Ancient World 2nd Edition from Red Raven Games. That's Ryan Lockett. Um, it is a empire building kind of worker placement, action selection, mm-hmm. where you're interacting with titans that are rampaging across your land trying to build the stronger empire and score victory points. Um, his games just have a very unique look. This one, the art looks awesome. Um, his design aesthetic is is also um, something I like. It reminded me of Islebound a little bit. Um, less of the story of like Above and Below and Near and Far, but um, similar to Islebound and some of his other games. And uh, really just kind of upped... Um, ancient world to a to a more streamlined play experience found some really cool books so jim zub he's a a writer um and i think he's done some comic book work um he did young adventures guides um one is weapons and equipment the other is heroes and monsters and they make D accessible to kids so it kind of talks through you know, if if you feel like this sense of adventure and that, you might be a fighter. If you do this and that, and it has some encounter things and explains it to just a little bit younger audience. Um, and then he he was signing at the booth, so I purchased both books and he signed them. You know, to Landon and we've started reading through what the fantasy races are. So like a couple pages a night about you know what a dwarf is or an elf or a halfling stuff like that. Um. Detective, they had the expansion, L.A. Crime Story. Um, Detective is a really great game that I I certainly want you guys to try at some point. And L.A. Crime Story adds a um, new series of crimes and investigators set in, I think, the (laughs) 80s or 90s L.A. Um, So I'm excited to crack that open. And then our friends at Anvil Games had a new product already for the RPG, a deck of... Uh, program cards, NPCs and programs um, that, you know, give you kind of a ready-made out of the box. You open it up and you've got, if you're a game master, you've got some enemies to throw at your uh, your party. If you are a player, it gives you some idea of different programs you can write and mods you can add in a uh, deck of cards. Um, I feel like it was 10 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so a cool accessory to, to ease of play with the new role-playing game there. Yeah, I just bought everything you bought, Ty. I just followed right behind you. Because <laughs> I grabbed those D&D books, and then, yeah, I grabbed the Ethereum cards. I think I grabbed the new Warden's um, uh, faction for the miniature mm-hmm. game and the book, too, because I never picked that up either. So strolled through and filled up my shopping cart at Anvil 8. So. 
Yeah, and then I see we both ordered some prints. So I, I got the Gen Con print from Elena. Yeah, see, I was right behind you. Ordered right. her uh, forest on canvas that they're going to mm, ship me. So, that's cool. Nice. Um, yeah, love that new piece. I, I need to see if she'll sell the reference photo yeah. too from it <laughs> so I can frame the photo oh, next to uh, the mm-hmm. um, her rendition. Yeah, I don't. Cool. I got another one of her print. I don't remember what the name of it is, um, but one of the. One of her newer prints I also grabbed. Yeah, I grabbed the Gen Con print and a couple playmats. I always end up buying a playmat from her. I don't know. I'm just weird like that. Uh, and then I also, I forgot to put on here, but I also at Plan B, I grabbed the Gollum edition of the Eastern Mountains. So this is uh, Spice Road, like the second game. They did like a trilogy of games and in their normal mode, which I'm like, oh, okay, they're good games, but I like the the did these Gollum editions, which are kind of the souped up editions with kind of cooler art and cooler components. Ones that are actually less uh, colorblind sensitive. Um, so that's the other thing that got me there. So I actually don't know a lot about the the game itself. Uh, I think I'd watched a review back, um, whatever, a few months ago on the original game, and it was kind of cool that they had the Gollum edition. And I snapped it up again because I, it's hard to get usually the Gollum editions, and I was even looking on their website now, and I think it's even pre-order there, so um, it felt like it was something I could easily get it at Gen Con, so that made me kind of just do an impulse buy on it. Uh, I think I grabbed a mat on that. Um, and then I spent a ton of money at Steamforge Games for some reason. Um, I, they had some pretty good Gen Con deals. Maybe they did. I don't know. Or they at least convinced me they had cool deals. <laughs> um, but they had they had done a bunch of sets of minis of the Critical Role characters. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, oh, those I, are kind of cool. And I almost picked one up. Um, but then I was like, I'll, I'll never get around to this. <laughs> so and it's, yeah, somehow I, I was able to like I put my acquisition disorder in, in check at different points. I bought you know a fair bit of stuff, but I didn't go like overboard. Which you know, I was, I was happy no, that you I, guys left me alone in the hall uh, <laughs> for hours at a time, and I didn't know what to do except Josh, buy Josh more and stuff. I had a pretty good buddy system. There were a couple times where I was wandering by myself where I, I was like, I'm gonna buy that. Okay. Yeah, but same. Yeah, so I might have grabbed those Critical Role minis, and then I went back, and then they had this other deal for the Resident <laughs> Evil board game which i had demoed last year when it was kind of in pre-production and john i really liked it it kind of has a really cool feel like the original game uh, and they had some cool but they were basically re- kind of selling like extra kickstarter boxes that they had and so i went back on saturday and i i texted john and he didn't help like he just he, he said, I think, yeah i think he might have encouraged me so i got that which was like 85 boxes because it's was everything that came in the Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, that was it. And then I probably went by Games Workshop and bought a bunch of stuff too. Like, no big deal. Yeah, as as you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they again exclusive. They had like their dice tray that I was sad oh, I didn't did get. Did you score that? Yeah, because nice. I was sad I didn't get it at Adepticon, and they're yeah. like, oh look, they have it here. So I grabbed that, and then they had some of their metal dice. So I tried to just buy stuff that was kind of like event or whatever exclusive and. Although I did buy a bunch of regular Sylvaneth AOS stuff. I walked by Daryl because mostly I mm-hmm. got to talk to him from uh, Toledo Game Store. Well, now yeah. under the banner of the Bits guy. Oh, the Bits the guy. Bits yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do it. Let's bring it home. Highlights. 
one or two things that were the the pinnacle of your Gen Con experience? Who wants to kick us off? I'll start. Um, so I wasn't in the right headspace to play a demo um, for just like analysis paralysis, everything going on. <laughs> but when Ty and I walked up to play Warcry, I was like, "All right, cool. I'll try to you know get my head in the game here." And you know, playing Ty and you know Steve Wren kind of showing us the game and you know it being be- like awesome painted and, <laughs> and Ty letting me win. It all kind of came together for me. So I had a blast uh, playing more. And it was, you know, what, 10, 15 minutes. It wasn't like, you know, but I, I think it was a really fun experience and I, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah. but Yeah, Steve Steve definitely talking about Warhammer World and like mm-hmm. how he's going to run the events there. Talking just about hobby in general with mm-hmm. him. Um, conversions. Even had a brief chat about, you know, Midwest meltdown and get in the try it there in the community and he asked me you know what I played and I told him about my my deepkin stormcast conversions because he he's done a lot of zinch conversion work and different so like there was an element just of connecting with Steve yeah. who yeah. he probably ran five thousand demos okay. through the the weekend but takes the time yeah. to like yeah like you felt like he was invested in you right. and and he, and he was like right. you know he he wanted to learn more and and. Uh, in, in what we were doing in, in the hobby. So right. it was cool. Yeah. Um, and then Alter Carbon, uh, the RPG with Ivan Van Norman, which was sort of a surprise, right? Yeah, so, that was my highlight. Yeah, that yeah. was just totally... I mean, we we knew it scored, and we had talked about, right, that uh, Hunter and, and Renegade had talked about that they're doing the Altered Carbon game, and then I had got lucky and scored tickets for something, right, that they were running, and then... Uh, when we got there and it was kind of, again, it was a little, I don't want to say disorganized or whatever. And then because it was, I think he was, Ivan was talking with somebody and we're like, we're looking for the altered carbon game, you know, who's running it. He's like, Oh yeah, I am. Right. (laughs) And then we're like, all right, we're good. (laughs) Um, But that was just a blast. And it was, you guys had played with him before. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was kind of the first time I had kind of been at a game table with him, but it was really cool to see him operate. And just, you know, he's one of those kind of next level, you know, GMs, right? And the way he can kind of improvise and right. the voices. Um, and we we, we, we're so, we can't talk a whole lot about the game because it's still in development. And he didn't want us to share, uh, you know, like shots of anything from there. But um, it, it was it was just fun to kind of go through the storytelling. We had a pretty good group at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he did a pretty good job. And it was fun to just kind of riff because we basically... I. I think he kind of, he had some ideas of what we were going at, but he really let us kind of like, what do you guys want to do? What kind of characters you want to have? And yeah. And then he kind of just went into like this zone where he was like sort of staring at the wall and I was like, is he, is he okay? And it was like five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Let's do this. And then like, he just started going and it was like, oh, he was just thinking it through. Like I, I thought he was having like a mini stroke or something, but no, he was like zoning in to like figure out. You know, five steps like ahead. That, you right. know where we're going. So right. I, I thought that was really interesting because right. it basically he's like, "What do you want? You want to do like a <laughs> kind of murder noir kind of dark kind of thing? You want to go somewhere else?" And we're like, "No, we want to do like a murder mystery kind of thing or some kind of mystery kind of mm-hmm. thing." And and so and then we kind of grabbed the characters and then yeah, it was just cool to see him and yeah, that just ten seconds he needed to like make everything click together on how we were gonna. Mm-hmm. And we did what we do. I mean, we only played like three hours, so we, I mean, we did a half a dozen scenes, maybe, right? And that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So um, that was a blast. Yeah, it was. Yeah, very a lot good. Of fun. And at some point we'll talk about Redwood. The, yeah, right. 
<laughs> there was a really cool, yeah, he did some cool voices. So I would say there might be an AI in that game that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Ty and I yeah. went to a German restaurant with the Anvil 8 guys. Yeah, we went to the Raskeller uh, Beer Hall restaurant. Um, got to have some schnitzel and a, a worst platter and some really huge beers. Mm-hmm. And then Brian, uh, the creative <laughs> force that he is, said, wait, guys, there's a photo op here. Uh, and we recreated as best we could with five or six of us uh, the Last Supper with Will Conway at the center um, as Jesus um, and us positioned. Brian directed us into the staged photo, which is the greatest image ever captured at uh, Gen Con in, in my life of going there. Um the Last Supper at the Raskeller was... <laughs> it was it was pretty amazing. I can't remember. I was... Because I didn't go along with you guys. Um, I'm somewhere else, and I get this picture shows up on the Discord, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And with no, I, like, all, with no <laughs> yeah. like comments or anything on it, I think Brian's just like, yeah. this isn't going to end well for Will or something. And, an immediate, and I'm immediately like, no, I know what you guys are doing. Like, I did, did, like <laughs> Brian did a great job of putting you guys in exactly the right... Mm-hmm. And it then Will Will Googled uh, the image to figure out who is who because yeah. we're all like kind of like I, I don't hey, know who. Troy, you said something about uh, who Judas yeah, I was. I knew right? who, right? I'm yeah. like I'm, and it was I had to uh, double check, but I'm like I think I know who's in the spot where. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Ty. <laughs> we'll we'll see if we can get that that photo out there, but no that that meal and in just in general mm-hmm. the the time hanging out, I had a good chance at Cladog to catch up mm-hmm. with Dominic and Mike. The couple of the indie AOS guys one night, um, you know, ships passing the night with Dr. Gabe, Brian, mm-hmm. Will, Zach, uh, Aaron, you know, just mm-hmm. Anvil 8, mm-hmm. playing games with Paul, like mm-hmm. the socializing, seeing Matt and Elena at the booth, like um, that That continues to be the, the highlight of Gen Con for me uh, this, this year and past years. Mm-hmm. So, agreed. And then we crushed it with the Gen Con skills. Yeah, I don't think we waited for a table once. Nope. I nope. really don't think the whole nope. weekend we waited for a table a single time. Nope. Crowded restaurants, knew how to get where, where we needed to go. The we, right time at the right place. We walked into it. a restaurant where they were telling somebody in front 45 of us, 45-minute 45 45 wait, and we walked in and sat down and ate <laughs> because we're that good. Yeah, yeah and finding yeah. tables to game. Yeah, no problem. No problem. A lot of trains going through, yeah. but a lot of trains. Yep. And that's not only the only space. Yeah. I, again, I, I, and maybe I don't know. Is it experiences or whatever? Right. I think we navigate the seventy thousand people. It sounded like they had this year. Um, it didn't. I didn't feel any more crowded. I mean, the vendor hall is just. There is no in my mind. There's no downtime in the vendor hall anymore. Like mm-hmm. ten to six, it's packed. Yep. There may yeah. be a Sometimes little, you get like a lull a little point. bit of a lull during you know, yeah. maybe, but it's just like every every day it's like used to be like Saturday or Sunday in right in the past, and now it's just like that from Thursday to Sunday. Yep. Um which is good for the vendors, right? That's why it's monstrous. But um but it's again if again if with experience, you know what you're doing, you listen to us every once in a while, um, you can navigate it pretty easily. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to slay it. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. We are going to take a break, though, and uh, come back with Play It or Slay It, where we will review Icarus, the collaborative storytelling game 
brought to you by Renegade Game Studios. Right, and we are back with Icarus, played or slate review. Uh, talked about it in the Gen Con segment. Um, it is a game that uh, Troy certainly backed, of course, on Kickstarter. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> you didn't? No, I kept I thought missing you picked it. up your pre-order. I did. I, oh. I pre-ordered it. So, that, yeah, it was a comp. I, I literally, I, I missed the Kickstarter. And then they had kind of like pledge. late pledge. Missed that. And I missed that by like okay. two days. And then I kept, and then finally I stumbled in, and they're like, "Oh, you can pre-order and pick up at Gen Con." Were you having but, like a rough week or what? I, yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, it, it was it, like it was you. the game I couldn't get a hold of. It was just out of my grasp all the time. <laughs> but then he got it. But I didn't get it. But Ty actually had his before mine. I think he had it right away on Thursday. I yeah, so I, I picked it up at Gen Con from Renegade um, Game Studio, who continues just to to knock it out of the park. Um, but let's get into the review because I'm definitely uh, showing my hand here on the player slate, and I'm not oh, one to oh, do that that's usually. Right. That's right. We should. But um, so Ty, Ty may not <laughs> own it. He might not have got it at Gen Con. So Renegade Game Studios Icarus it it uh, is a collaborative storytelling game in which you are trying to build a civilization. Um, throughout the the play of the game. You and your friends. It plays two to five players as recommended. Um, I could see playing it with more, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you go through the, the deck a little quicker and you might have some issues with how long it takes to play. Um, but ultimately, it is a box of cards uh, and dice. Um, and what the key concept is, you are all part of a civilization, a city, a colony, whatever it may be, called Icarus. Uh, There are different um, places in in time and history you could place Icarus, fantasy lands, space, colonies on Mars, whatever it may be, Um, and you are all representing one of 12 pillars of this society. So a number of cards are drawn from the pillar deck. They might be things such as law, uh, economy, health, education, um, and you draw enough for each player to have one, and then there's one left over. Players discuss which pillar um, you know, speaks to them uh, and what they want to uh, represent as, as their character, then begins to build an identity of a character that would be connected to that pillar. So if it's um, science, you might be the lead researcher uh, in the city trying to develop some new tech or some you know, um, figure out some ancient alien secret. And then when everybody has their pillar, the leftover one becomes the monument that the city is building towards. You also then begin creating aspects, which are different things that may happen, events, places, kind of guiding the story. And each player, every round gets to support one of the aspects, um, and tell what happens to it. If it's, and then at the end, um, or they can reinforce another player's aspect. Yep. At the end of the round, you roll a dice to signify how that goes. Does it work out for you? Does it support the player? And you have a one in three chance. There's two sides of the dice with a symbol on it that are a good thing, and then a couple of blank, uh, four blank sides that are a bad thing. If the bad thing happens, you explain how, and you draw these story cards to resolve additional scenes that may add other aspects or things to your colony. 
When you get a bad dice result, you put it in the middle uh, and you start building a tower of the dice, the pillar uh, that the monument represents. And you continue to do that every round, resolving stories, doing the scenes, rolling the dice, until the tower in the middle ultimately collapses. Um, when it collapses, that signifies the end of the game, and you resolve the story with everyone as to what happened, how, with all the different aspects and story elements that have been introduced, what led to the ultimate collapse of your civilization, uh, your city, your colony. Um, and you talk about it, you point to a few key events, and you kind of do a, a wrap-up of what happened to your character and the, the aftermath of that as well. Um, so very similar elements to Fiasco, um, in which you are you know, creating a, a character to represent um, and building out a, a group story. So not an individual story, but certainly like a, a collective experience. Um, where it differs is, you know, setting the scene, resolving the scene versus uh, supporting an aspect or creating a new aspect in Icarus. So that's how it works. Um, it, it is very simple in components. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. we can talk about the deck of cards. The dice are big, you know, rounded edge plastic dice. Um the box fits in your in your pocket. It's not a big box yep. by any means. And you get a deck of those pillar cards, the story cards, and some of the um, a notepad, basically, with aspect <laughs> written on yep. it that you can use in lieu of note cards or other pieces of paper. Yeah, I mean, this could be a this could be a print and play, right? I mean, there's nothing. And 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 again, the components are. And I don't even know what the game costs again because I didn't twenty five dollars. Yeah, so it's not very expensive. Again, you're just you're, you're paying for what you got, which is mostly dice, mostly these really cool kind of big blocky dice. Um, but again, they're not critical of the game. You could you can use other dice other from dice your and, home collection. Yeah, and, and, Just knowing that one yeah. and two are the good result yep. and three through six is bad, you just want to have that. Yeah, because this could, I mean, this could have been in kind of an indie game, you know, whatever 12-page kind of pamphlet with just a rule set and telling you, hey, just grab a notebook and write out these things. Um, and grab some dice to do it um, what they did again because renegade and has a little more resources they kind of like gave you more you know here's the cards here stuff this makes it a little bit easier to play out of the box and that's what your your, your kind of your 25 bucks is going to i would i would think but um but yeah that was so i wouldn't yeah don't get again i think but the art is fine the graphic design's fine the cards are cool i mean i think all the components are in there they're just you may be think you may get it and you're like this is pretty simple and yeah i think that's kind of the idea is th that stuff is just there to help you from support you from a rules perspective the real game takes place in the dialogue and the imagination and the storytelling that you do you right know, story of the mind, mind yeah, yeah. it, it uh, Ty hit it on the head. Yeah, it's definitely very fiasco esque, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's the collaborative storytelling that's going on that really helps shape the game. So, and I th I think it's um, also very interesting, you know, when we're all kind of talking about the different aspects and you know how things are happening. Somebody might chime in with, "Oh, hey, we should think about whatever," and then yeah, we all kind of yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's, it, it's fun that way, yep. you know, it's helping build that story. So one, one thing that's interesting too, is it, it's a game that is uh, named after um, a mythological story in which someone failed to reach great height. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and, and you know when you sit down, you're playing a game about losing, uh, about failing, about a collapse. So mm-hmm. it's a story you build there with that overshadowing it that you know ultimately the dice will come tumbling down and you will be losing whatever it is you've built. Because um, Icarus tried to fly to the sun, flew too close, wings melted, the wax melted, yeah. holding the feathers together, went hurtling to the earth. So that that concept is is evident as you start, which I, th- I think is interesting because you, you have a lot of role-playing game experience mm-hmm. about... Um, Success, doing epic things, trying to you know a, a, a attain this level of near godhood. In this game, you're setting out, starting with knowing that it ends when you fail, and you will fail. Yeah, but it's interesting. Yeah, telling the like the cards, like every card that creates that next complication. So even though like we'll do you do a round, and everybody'll describe it, and like oh yeah, this. You know, we got a disease going over here, and the people are rioting here, whatever. And we're like, well, I'm going to have my character go, and we're going to quell the rebellion, and I'm going to get a cure for this thing, and we'll be great. And and the die rolls, like we were actually like early on, we had some good die rolls, like, oh yeah, things are getting better. And you flip over that card, and it's like, oh yeah, but guess what? You ran out of your water supplies, or like it it kind of keeps throwing a new complication at you. So you have this this kind of feeling of swimming upstream, right? <laughs> that that you just can't, no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to, to overcome eventually the eventual failure that's going to occur. So, And uh, I think you mentioned it last episode, Ty, but like um, having this set the stage for some sort of RPG, uh, like, like Outbreak or something, um, I think is a really cool idea. So you play a, a game of Icarus and then use that setting to kind of, build off of i think i think that would be a really cool way to to do it so yeah from a storytelling um aspect the the game does something very well and and that is makes you think about these elements of a society or a a place so i guess i'm i'm gonna do it um (laughs) i've recently been creating a i started making a world uh in for like a role-playing game campaign that may never get played, but I started just building a world. And I've actually taken some of the elements of Icarus and the society, um, like the rules, the, the pillars, what's important, what makes it work, thinking about the design of these cities that are after the fall of like a cataclysmic event. Um, so it, it's helped. It you know it is it is a narrative tool, just like Fiasco is is great for um, improv skills and in that kind of acting improv. Um, Icarus in, in a way is, is helpful as a tool for designing and and thinking about concepts of civilization, of cities, of colonies, um, that you may not think about in most games that there are tools there to make you a better storyteller. Um, and, and I always like when, when games deliver that element of storytelling where it's not there for you to consume, but you have to learn how to how to build and make it interesting to, to have your fun with it. But I mean, it, it's different than most games we've done player slate for mm-hmm. be, because of the fact there's, there's not a lot to it. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a deck of cards, a book. The, um, the book gives you settings, um, ideas for places to set like the city, a colony on Mars, an old West town, a fantasy world in which, 
you know, a trade empire, what, whatever it may be. And it gives you technology available in that place and names just to give some seeds. Mm-hmm. So you're not totally on your own creating the story. You can borrow just, just like Fiasco where you have the play right, sets right. that you can, you mm-hmm. know, pull in elements of story from. Yeah. Um, and it was funny as we were, as we, as you read through them, I know like what was fun is like my mind was just spinning, like what other things could you do? And like one of them, like we go to like stuff, you're like, you could do like AOS, like this feels like you could do like a realm oh, space, this, right? And this like could, this could be a city your, that falls right, in one of the realms. Yeah, right. That would be, be really cool to like create yeah. that kind of background and 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 use that as the because again you'd have that richness of you're like I know I know more about this world, right? And then you could kind of tell the it, story. It could be a, a frontier fort in you know the the middle of yeah. the frontier territory where during pre Civil War, um, mm-hmm. you know where there's rampaging groups of brigands and what like there's just a number of places you could mm-hmm. set it and i don't know did we say like when we did our our game we actually set it on mars so at first we were like oh should we do like more of a historical setting because we have would have more kind of background to draw from when they were like no nah, we all like our gut was like like let, let's go to mars this feels like that'll be fun like i think we had just been talking about the expanse <laughs> or something yeah. and it was like oh <laughs> yeah that that's is it yep but yeah it uh having um, kind of an idea like, like we all kind of gravitated towards the Mars thing and then kind of just it was like oh yeah that's that's the one right um, so yeah everybody having um, kind of a vested interest in that space I think was key um, but yeah I, I, I don't know I, I think it was a blast it's it, it reminds me of the first time I played Fiasco and I was like oh this is so fun it's so different right. you know it's not a um, it's more of an, an open world type, yeah. you know, like you fill in the blanks. Um, yeah, I, I had a, a really good time with it. Yeah, and the two other games, again, I'm looking at, like you considering that they compare it to is is The Quiet Year. I don't know if you guys have any experience with that. That, Mm-mm. again, it's a very kind of indie RPG where the group, you tell the story of, I believe it's uh, some kind of colony or whatever, going through one year. Um, and the different trials and tribulations, but I believe at the end of that year, like the, the society exit, the colony collapses. So you're like just getting it through that arc. Um, and then Tale of Arabian Nights is again just a cooperative storytelling game. I think that, that that's I don't know fairly popular. Um, it's been out there for a while, but so that's again in that genre that again fiasco and some of these other things that all kind of start out in this kind of indie RPG kind of world that mm-hmm. is slowly kind of creeping into more, more mainstream, I think as role playing in general keeps growing. So Definitely. I, I don't think we mentioned it, but the designer, uh, oh. Spencer Stark, um, you know, he, he built a, a, a fairly tight rule set. I think that's the other thing is we got into it and started playing very quickly. Um, I'd kind of skimmed through the rules you know, 10, 15 minutes. And then we opened it up and kind of walked through the first turn. And then it was very organic from there. So it, it wasn't overly complicated. You know, it's the actions mm-hmm. made sense. The rules um, are there as a guide and then you can really yeah. start play. Yeah. And in the end, right. I, I mean, I, like once you get in, yeah, we had some structure, but like, it didn't matter if we weren't actually playing it right. And I think we did play it right. But <laughs> like in the end, we, we had a structure. We were we were going to do some collaborative storytelling and it, we, we were going to get to some end. And once we kind of got rolling, yeah. it didn't really matter. Right. Like what then? Just a little atypical yeah. when you think of a role playing game or a story based game. Uh, sometimes they can be overly complex and in, in a lot of different variables. This is 
you are driving the narrative um, and the, the game just provides the framework for, for that story. Yeah. And you, and I think, and again, it's collaborative, like, especially the, the aspects part of it, right. Cause you would write up aspects. And again, I think it's just, they even talk about it, right. It's if one of those aspects doesn't make sense anymore from a narrative perspective, change it or pull it off or write a new one. Right. And there, there isn't a lot of structure there, right. It's more of like what makes sense for the story that you're telling and mm-hmm. you feel free to like, yeah, change them or write or change them and, you know, update them or just remove them. Right. And we, and we did that kind of throughout the game too. There were some that after a while didn't make any sense more. Does this make sense? Now let's put off or no, this one has changed and let's scratch, right. We had scratches and more notes on the different aspects as we went through the game, which was kind of fun. Any um any final thoughts before we play it or slay it, and then let we, our we special guest see if Bryce has any questions, oh, questions? before he before formulates an opinion. Or... Yeah, no, I have an opinion. He's already got his. <laughs> He's opinion. already got an All opinion. Right. So, Josh, any final thoughts about Icarus before we hear Bryce's opinion? I was surprised at how high the dice could stack. <laughs> I we 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 actually got them pretty yeah, high because yeah, we yeah. got to the bitter end. We actually yeah. we got through the. What happens if you stack it and it doesn't fall? So you keep going going, um, and get extra dice. You basically will keep building the tower until it collapses. Um, And there there's like a repeating question where when you would rather than drawing a story card, there's you have to explain what one thing gets worse. So like as you do your aspect and do whatever else, it's constantly decaying one of the other aspects as you keep going. Yeah, and we did get to the last card, the bitter end, which gets you in that loop. But that was that round got us, I believe, knocked over the tower. Mm-hmm. We couldn't, we couldn't stack it anymore. We knew we were close at that point. <laughs> and I accidentally kept bumping the table. And you guys were like, "Come on!" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, let's raid the dice." Yeah, Josh was like, "It's late. I'm done." So I'm just gonna bump the table four times. But it didn't fall. And it does. Play, it did play in like I think they say like 90 minutes. And I think that's about where we were at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about right. Yeah, I've never built a civilization and watched it fall in 90 minutes or less. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, my my final thought is, um, I think what would be cool is a few more settings to like build out and create, just like source books almost, mm-hmm. um, but not necessary. Uh, I, I think similar fiasco releases playsets. I could see Renegade mm-hmm. every so often releasing fan-made content or people's ideas, you know, framework or, or outlines. Um, so it, it's not like this is going to be it and you can only play the four things. It's, it's really an endless um, idea. You want to do underwater? Do underwater. You want to do a pirate shanty town? Do a pirate shanty town. You want to do Bryce's basement? Do Bryce's mm-hmm. basement. There's a civilization there. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it floods all the time, so it really <laughs> would be the problem solving. <laughs> all right. Let's get down to play it or slay it. Unlike most where I slay it and I'm negative, um, I'm going to play it. This is, a, a, I think, a very tight uh, rule set for a very open um, storytelling game. It is exactly the type of role-playing game that I enjoy where a narrative is being built. Um, and characters are interacting, uh, and, and things are happening in, in a really big place, you know, a colony, there's a, you think of a lot of moving parts, but it draws your focus to some, some very interesting, uh, story elements. And it was a lot of fun for $25, um, carry it anywhere. 
It, uh, <clears throat> I, I think it is, it's definitely going to be one of those that I suggest when, you know, we get together to play games just to, to get another story told. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh. Yeah. For the same reason that I like fiasco, uh, you know, the collaborative storytelling, I'll definitely play it cause it's, it's, it's fun. I, I totally enjoy it and I would definitely enjoy it again. So. All right, Troy. So I'm probably going to play it. And I think, and what's interesting, I think this is something where there's kind of two ways to it. Like I think playing it with the right group of people, you can really do some epic stuff. I mean, like you guys, when we do it, like we know each other well enough, like we can really rip off, riff off each other, kind of do, and really make it really collaborative. I think this game also has enough structure to it that you could do it like people who are like newbies to anything and just kind of help it would help them be able to get into a game like this and and be able to learn how they could do collaborative storytelling right because there's enough structure here that it gives them the stuff so i think it'd be interesting because you're gonna tell some probably really different story than you might with a more experienced group so mm-hmm. um so I'm, yeah definitely gonna play it um and try and think of more play sets or more settings that can go with it all right bryce Play it or slay it, Icarus. You've heard us. You've asked a couple questions. Saw how to play a video with the illustrious Becca Scott. What what's it going to be? Well, let's just start by saying there's a new sheriff in town. I'm going to slay it only because I like the concept. I like the idea. I like storytelling. But it, I mean, you guys came up with all these things without it. Places we could play, ways we could do it. We have 7,000 dice in our basements where we could stack those up. I just don't see the need to have the box. Like, we could just, right now, without the box, play it. So, yeah, that's a that's a slay for me. Man, it's good It's good not to be the bad guy. Negativity <laughs> rolls over always the feel. Yeah, But yeah. he has a good point. He did make a good point, too. Yeah, 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 certainly. Having experienced it, you wouldn't yeah. need the box. Um the cards, the story questions, you'd have to you'd have to have those yeah. to continue to drive the story, but you don't need the box. Relevant. Point taken. When I design a game, I'll make you need the box. <laughs> 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 All right. So that is gonna do it for episode thirty six, the War Cry Apology. Um <laughs> War Cry. <laughs> When uh, when we next talk to you, uh, a few of us will have traveled down to Nashville, um, just outside Nashville. David Griffin uh, holds a wonderful AOS event there at NashCon, which is actually a historical miniatures con. Um, but I'm going to interrupt you. Oh yeah, to say congratulations to David. Yeah, because today he had a baby. Wow, he did. I think his wife did. It's a joint effort, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so congrats to David. Um, pretty awesome that now in a week he'll be running an AOS tournament. <laughs> um, that doesn't sound like good planning. I don't know. Uh, well, originally, yeah. I think the due date was the day before. Now, yeah. Oh, yeah. so it is good. There we go. Yeah. It worked out well. Yeah. The kid understood. <laughs> Dad's got to do this. Okay. Um, so it'll be great to see, uh, see David... Jacob, um, Jacob Berry, you know, all, all those guys, Stu, uh, Stoke Stu, to see Stu. Stu. Um, and baby Griffin. Well, I don't know. So we're flying in Thursday morning, uh, to get there a day or two early. 
Um, and Thursday night, I'm running a NashCon D&D one-shot for a few, nice. uh, a few yeah. lucky players. We're calling it the Hot Chicken One-Shot. The Hot okay. Chicken One-Shot. <laughs> Maybe Baba Yaga and her, uh, her walking hut will be a hot chicken hut. We'll see. Are you going to um, stream it? <laughs> we're not currently on the agenda but if if rob Simes is there a day early maybe yeah maybe we can get him to stream it because what was announced a week or two ago about nashcon which is fantastic is uh john scrivens and rob Simes from the honest wargamer are coming to oh, stream really uh nashcon yeah. wow so honest wargamer will be in the house streaming nashcon sweet which is just awesome that an event like Jacob that. will probably eat at least three dice. Uh, oh yeah. wow! <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, I hope not. Oh, I have to send you with ten dollars. By the way, I'm not bringing underwear back. <laughs> uh, then we go a a while until um, October, uh, early October. The guys in India are hosting a team tournament, uh, Circle City Clash. I think that's October twelfth ish, around there. I thought it was the first weekend. Or maybe the 4th or 5th. I, I don't know. I think so. I, mean, I want to say the 7th, but I'm not. Whatever. It's the 1st or 2nd weekend. Yeah, early October. Uh, Circle City Clash in Indianapolis. There is still room for teams. There's a Facebook group open. Um, or, you know, hit up at Sporadic Mike. Uh, Dom, Dan, any of those guys from Indy can point you in the right direction to, to get signed up if you want to play in a team tournament. Four-man teams. Um and Troy just held up numbers. Fifth and sixth, I'm pretty sure. Fifth and Make sure sixth. I got the right year. Yes. Fifth right. and sixth. Yeah. This is the first Circle City Clash. Yes. So uh, currently eight teams signed up, I think. Um, eight or nine. And they can hold 12, I think, I think is so. the, the cap. All right. Then towards the end of October, second to last weekend, Dragonfall, uh, down somewhere in the Chicago suburbs. Uh, there's 40K, there's AOS. Um, there's a team event Friday. There's a GT Saturday, Sunday, all sorts of stuff. Dragon probably Fall, war cry, probably war cry. war cry. Um, and then the weekend after that Halloween weekend in Madison, Wisconsin game hole con starting on October 31st, running through November 3rd, um, Thursday to Sunday, the, what I would say, premier role-playing game convention, uh, game hole con they've become, uh, incredible reach that they have to bring people in, um, authors, people from Wizards of the Coast, streamers, whatever. You know, there's uh, there's a lot going on. True at Dungeon, Game mm-hmm. True Dungeon. If you're into it, um, we'll be there again. <laughs> the discount True Dungeon. Yep. Yes, it only costs you sixty dollars. This is, this is where I play. <laughs> um, and then that same weekend is Holy Havoc, uh, Steve Herner's doubles event. Uh, down there also in the Chicago suburbs, um, even though it feels a little further than the suburbs. <laughs> You're the going west of, of Aurora. Area. yeah. Uh, but Bryce and I will be traveling down, um, playing with our our doubles list, which should be a, a fun ride. We'll see how it works out. you got to start hobbying, though. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Uh, and that's November 2nd through the 3rd. So some fun events, um, some some interesting things here. At the, the year end, really, uh, we're getting out of con season now uh, as, as we've survived Gen Con. So thank you all for listening. Um, hope you have enjoyed. Please leave us reviews on iTunes, comments, reviews, any anything that you you know want to say. Uh, you can also hit us up on our Facebook page. 
You can follow us on Twitter, uh, join the masses, and follow us at Show. Read what Troy writes on basementofdeath.com. He's the only contributor. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, and hit us all up via email, Ty, Josh, Troy, info, and intern at basementofdeath.com. Thank you, Bryce, for joining us. Pleasure having you in studio. I haven't received a single email. It's been like a year. Not I even s- Josh's email. I swear it's email. on. I swear yeah. it's on. Yeah. We'll email you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Bryce. All right. Keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. Ty, you have to use like a super FM DJ voice, like super low. <laughs> Welcome back from the break. This is Playing and Slaying. Next up, Cinnamon. Coming to you live from the Love Lounge of Josh's basement. Sometimes we call it the Brew House, BOD Brew House, but right now it's the Love Den. <laughs> the Love Den. All I need right now is some Cavassier, <coughs> candles, and rub down. Yeah, some Cavassier. That's right, I said rub down. Josh is ignoring when I say rub down because it makes him uncomfortable. Moist. No, that's not even cool, man. <laughs> talking about rub down. Rub down. Yeah, like Bert's balls on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, his balls, God. He looked like he was birthing a baby. Oh, that's what happens when you fall on your nutsack. I guess so. Is his voice low enough for you, Troy? If you talk like that the whole episode. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. 37 war cries later. War cry. War cry. <laughs>